Due to the discussions in this episode of Otaku Melancholy, listener discretion is advised. This episode contains conversations on suicide, self-harm, drug abuse, and mental illness. If these are topics that may prove upsetting to you, then we advise against listening to this episode. On a further note, if you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness or thoughts of suicide, then we implore you to use the resources listed in the show notes, like the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses website, as well as calling or texting 988 to talk to someone who will provide help on the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Remember that it's okay to not be okay, but it isn't okay to stay that way. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. How, what are your feelings about ducks and geese, Matt? Which one do you like better? And do you think it is ethical to feed them just a little bit of bread as a treat? Only if they've been a good duck and or geese, though. Welcome to the Otaku Melancholy Podcast, the anime and otaku culture podcast that knows that a balanced wonder breakfast isn't just wonder eggs, but some wonder bacon and wonder OJ, if you're feeling it. My name is Matt, and my secret is that I'm always really angry now. All right. Well, you can read, and I'm, well, at least at this point, I'm really hoping that you can read. This is like fucking episode 200. God, get on this shit, dude. Literacy is fucking important. How can you not not read at this point? Damn. So you can tell that we're doing Wonder Egg Priority. I don't know about the time that this episode comes out, and we'll call it a post-mortem or a celebration. We'll just kind of find the vibe when we do this episode. But, as mentioned last week, if you were here for last week, and I hope you were here for last week, as for the week before that, and a lot of their subsequent prior weeks. But Earthworm, uh, from the Anime Brothers, will be joining me again to talk about an anime of his choosing. Yay! I get to choose stuff. Ha <laughs> 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 Yeah, JD and I are still going through our violent divorce. He wants the frequent flyer, Miles, and I want him to burn in hell. <laughs> so, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping the professional relationship alive, so like you'll never know it on our podcast, but it is, it is heated. Yeah, like that's why they, that's why they stop. That's why the the video podcasts have stopped as frequently because it's just a brick wall and they're both talking through like a little hole in a wall at each other, so both just equally passively ignoring each other. That's the real reason that that's that that's on temporary hiatus. Yeah, we uh we filmed one episode and it was just weird that we wouldn't face each other. I was like, I don't know if we can release this. This isn't right. <laughs> Oh, you're just looking at the camera like you're two kids trying to explain to a kid that the divorce isn't their fault the entire time, but you're also being passively aggressive with each other. Like, JD likes <laughs> this anime, and Dad doesn't think that that's good for us. Well, listeners, why don't you tell JD that if he's so lonely, go talk to that hairdresser he likes so much. <laughs> Oh, I am in such a high levity for such a severe show, but yes. Yeah, so oh, yeah, this is this is a strange energy we got going on, but here <laughs> we go. It's because I was we were being before the podcast being so ironic, and then now I'm just in high levity for such a serious dour a show that is actually very serious and dour, but does just try to just overlook that with bright ass visuals and just colors everywhere. But and yeah, friendship. And, oh, and friendship. Friendship and friendship. That's the real wonder egg priority, the friends we made along the way. 
<laughs> but yeah, at the top of the episode, you heard a trigger warning. Yes, uh, this is a show about suicidal 14-year-old girls. That is literally the actual premise. So if you are uncomfortable with that, then I would probably skip to the end and get the review. I don't know. But there will also be some discussions on mental, mental health as well as self-harm. So, you know, this is just a whole bouquet of possibly upsetting subjects for certain peoples. Yeah, yeah, we got them all. All, all <laughs> different varietals of upsetting topics we got we got you we got your parental abuse we got your self-harm we got your your suicide we got parent we got we got it all it's like the one-stop shop for damn that's sad (laughs) and we're having a fucking fire sale oh god (laughs) (laughs) okay i really need to just calm the fuck down i have i'm too i'm i've got too much good energy in me right now so so hey earthworm what's been going on with you lately what's been going on What's been going on? How's it been going? Uh, yeah, good, man. I've actually been doing a couple things that are worth talking about on an anime and otaku culture podcast. So first off, and I want to give a special shout out um, to, I believe he's your patron. I know he's part of your community, but uh, a, a Darth Egg. Darth oh, Egg. Yeah? yeah, Darth Egg is uh, a fucking homie. Uh, they sent me a PlayStation 4 to borrow um, so I could play Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, like that. I I don't. I'm I'm I, I run a shitty anime podcast and people keep sending me stuff because apparently like I make their lives better. I don't fucking know. It's weird. Darth Egg is fucking cool as shit. He is so cool. But now I know that he's willing to send things. So now I'm gonna be like, oh, you sent Earthworm a PlayStation Four to borrow. Yeah, my PS Five's kind of on the fritz, buddy. Could you send that to me? I don't know. <laughs> and that's like. I I worried about like shouting because I want to give him the shout out, but I also for one don't want like people to be like, hey, uh, you didn't send me anything, and also <laughs> I don't want people to be like, man, I feel like I gotta send Earthworm something. Like that's not what I want. Um, but this was uh something I really couldn't turn down because I've been bitching about not being able to play Shadow of the Colossus for fucking months now. So yeah, we're getting into it. Yep, I'm currently. I'd say about halfway through the game. I think there's 12 Colossi in total, and uh, I've taken out six of them. And it's a weird game for me, because I'm not usually... It's it's essentially a platform puzzle game. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not usually my jive, but it's something about... It's like really the atmosphere and the aesthetic and the fact that though I am like climbing things and essentially platforming to get there... What I'm accomplishing is taking down this 100-foot stone organic beast. It's like a fucking ancient Evangelion, caveman Evangelion, and it's really cool. And it really makes you feel like you're standing on top of a 100-foot beast that could squish you if only it got a hold of you. Yeah. Um, My favorite so far... um, the one that really, really made me go holy shit and take a step back was the, uh, the fucking. There's this bird colossus. First of all, uh, Matt, have you ever played Shadow of the Colossus? Oh yeah, I played it on the PlayStation too. Oh, you played okay. You so you played the original. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. So remember the the big ass bird over the lake that I... you gotta like let attack you and jump onto its wing to mount yeah. it. Yeah, I hated that. I hated that. I hated that fucker with extreme prejudice. 
first I okay I hated that one because I was stupid and ended up having to look up how to get him mountable because mm-hmm. I just ended up diving in and swimming in the fucking thing and it's really dumb because I tried to explore before I found him found this spot dove in swam all the way to the back was like there's fucking nothing second find I found a gold coin but anyway <laughs> but yeah that that one really like when I hopped on him and he was flying around and I don't know something about that colossi specifically made me go holy shit I am I am a champion I am I am this what's the guy's name the rider I don't know I don't know who I am I don't know what I'm doing here all I know is I must kill giant beasts <laughs> yeah that's kind of like the perfect game for you isn't it because I know that you're not the biggest on like hard story but there's a lot of story in just what you're doing you kind of make your own story really and truly through your um through the combat instances you have which yeah I yeah, without really cool. a doubt. And like mm-hmm. the it's all this what story there is is like really weird and cryptic and if I didn't suck so bad at video games, I'm sure that's what I would appreciate about Souls-like games and Dark Souls and and specifically. But yeah, I just I really like weird cryptic stuff. It's like not really explained, but if you know, you can read into it if you want and mm-hmm. like I don't know exactly what like what I'm doing wrong. But yeah, when a bunch of shadow snakes fly out of this fucking thing and inhabit your body, and then a bunch of shadow people are standing over you, I'm starting to think, this might not be the best thing I'm doing, but we're here, <laughs> we got six more, we gotta go. You're just looking at the screen going, hey, hey Phil, are we the baddies? Yeah, exactly, and like, I've, I've watched plenty of YouTube videos about this game before, so I, I have a fairly good understanding that, you know, I'm probably, I wouldn't say I'm a good guy, but yeah, you really, you really feel it, and the... The fucking soundtrack in that game. Mm. Oh my lord. Like when you take one of those fuckers down and that song starts playing and it's like such a weird mix of well, we're gonna we're gonna go cheesy here, but mix of melancholy oh. and triumphant. It's like mm. this is a weird feeling and I don't like it, but I, I gotta go kill another giant thing. PlayStation two still had sort of that like atmosphere going on for it and you know the it, that it really is a sort of dark soulsian esque sort of t- world. You feel like the world's already dying without your consent, and you're doing things, and it's just constantly somber. Yeah, it's a really good game, and it still looks impressive. You know, it's not trying to like, it's not trying to be the a graphical powerhouse. At least on the PlayStation Two, I don't know about the PlayStation Four version. It looks great. I, like I'm not a I'm not a great critiquer of visuals because I'm I got a pretty low standard, but I have literally zero complaints. I'm I'm in awe every time I'm riding through. Oh yeah, it, it is it is really it's a really cool game. I I should play it, but then I would have to put off another game, and then I would just grow my backlog infinitely. So, I'm dude, right. I get I get that man. Like just play what you're feeling. You know that's how I play video games. It's like I don't. I rarely do I seek out a game and say I have to play this. Normally, it's like if I if my heart tells me to play Rocket League, I'm playing Rocket League. I I envy that sentiment. I'm kind of the I've become as I in my in my older and wiser years. I go. I need to complete these games. I've I've paid money for these games. I need to complete them. And I've I've struggled to bounce around, but I'll do that shit for books, mangas, anime. I'll be like episode five of like some anime. Be like, oh yeah, I'll come back to this later, and then I'll never come back to it. I'm the exact opposite. I do that. Like, that's what I do with anime and manga. It's like I have to finish it or else I can't start a new thing. And that just means I never start stuff or finish stuff. Yeah. No, I see. I don't know why. Video games are one of those things that if I play them, I just feel like 
I don't know. I know video games haven't gone up in price, but I've still got that like childish like attitude that my parents have ingrained in my brain. Like you, we bought you this game. You have to enjoy it. And so I'm just sitting there crying through Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius on her GameCube going, they bought it. I hate it, but they bought it. <laughs> is that is that a real thing? Or, yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, no, that that's that's very real. Okay. Oh, man. That's a uh... big fan of Jimmy Neutron as a kid, but the video game for uh, for GameCube wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Well, noted, because I am also, I was also a big Jimmy Neutron guy, so... Uh... Yeah, I'll stay away from that one. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> anyway, that was Shadow of the Colossus. And the uh, the other thing I've been doing, I, I mentioned it a little bit on the last episode last week, but I have uh, I have finished Digimon Adventure, the first season, and I am on to Digimon Adventure 2. Wow, that's so, that's really cool. How many episodes are in epi- uh, Adventure 1? Adventure, the original, is 54 episodes. Ooh, that's an impressive number. Yeah, you're telling me. I um and I did it in like a week and that's that's saying a lot for me. Um yeah, I just I fucking I'm so happy that I finally sat down and watched Digimon cuz it's been such a in a place of nostalgia for me for so many years that now it's not just in a place of nostalgia, but now I can mm-hmm. like talk about Digimon and and reference actual like character moments and I know more Digimon names now so I don't seem like a fake fan. It's right. wonderful. Excellent, because you know all the Digimon fans are really elitist. If you don't know the difference between Metal Gururumon and you know a semiconductor Gururumon, and that's just that's just gross. <laughs> Nuclear reactor Gururumon, <laughs> <laughs> solvable uh, agent, solvable agent Gururumon, <laughs> industrial waste Gururumon. Gururumon. He's a bad Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Adventure Two. Uh, how far are you into that? Uh, not super far. I think I actually was watching it before we started recording. I think I just finished episode seven or eight. Um, it's a li- I don't want to say it's worse than Adventure One, but I'm, I think I'm enjoying it slightly less. Uh, there's just less of that nostalgia factor there. Mm-hmm. You know, I caught some of Adventure Two as a kid, but that's that's when stuff started to wane, and you know, you change cable packages, and then you never know where your Digimon show is anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I will. I'd say one thing in Adventure Two that is without a doubt one hundred and ten percent better than Adventure One is the soundtrack, because it was two thousand two thousand one, and I I forgot. But apparently, things like skate punk and and like <laughs> pop punk and shit was like mainstream popular. So you have borderline like something that in the nineteen eighties would have fit right in at like a hardcore punk show. You have in Digimon it, the English dub, and it's kind of awesome. As someone who, in my teenage years, found heavy music, like uh, that's just a really cool crossroads of shit that I've been into. And it's, I mean, they're generic as hell, but what I don't expect much from Digimon, and but they're bops. I mean, they're. I, I would if if I found out that the Digimon band was playing at my local venue. I'd show up. I'd spin kick somebody in the face. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can never forget that the Digimon movie had less than Jake on it. And I just, I mean, that that it was like a music video to all my friends are metalheads. That's just, I don't know. That's just quintessential 90s fury right there, you know? I think about that a lot, too, because I didn't realize. <laughs> you. I think about you referencing less than Jake on Digimon. I don't remember if that was in an 
episode that you did a while back or if that's just something that we've talked about because every time we talk digimon comes up but um, (laughs) i think every time i've been watching digimon i'm like thinking yeah less than jake did do a fucking song for the movie so did the bare naked ladies um they did that's right yeah i man a while back i watched an entire youtube video of a guy who tracked down the lead singer on the bare naked ladies like added him on twitter a bunch of times like got a response from this fucking guy asking him if he remembered doing the digimon movie and luckily for us he does and he like is a I don't know, Avid might be a little strong word, but he's a fan of Digimon and, like, anime mm. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I just out of curiosity because the Digimon... I remember that Digimon movie soundtrack because it did have Less Than Jake. I believe, if, and I may be wrong about this, I believe it had because it was a 90s movie or, you know, transitioning to, you know, the knots or whatever we're going to call it now. I believe it had All Star on it. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. Uh, Craig, fact check that. No, I, I'm almost positive that you're fucking, that you're right on that one. I'm looking it up right now. I was. Oh, really hell yeah. All right, it's even got the Rockefeller skank. It's like, it's a period piece at this point. I just can't believe that at one point that was, I mean, accepted, like not just accepted, but like that was almost the standard for like a cool kids thing. Like radical was the, the thing. Skating was cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and Digimon kind of exudes that, like. Not to, like, diss on Pokemon, but Pokemon's in a fictional world. Digimon, they at least have some sort of connecting vibe to what's going on in real the real world. So, of course, you're going to have, like, you're going to have to pick that influences. And because, obviously, you know, like, they didn't have All-Star in the Japanese. No. The Japanese version. But, you know, just to say, hey, this is going to resonate with the kids more. If you throw in some, you know, Ska and you throw in some the Hey Digimon song, and the Digi-Rap... <laughs> Oh my god, there was a digi rap too. It had to have a rap. It was it was the 90s. We all had raps. Oh my god, that movie is such an interesting like you said, it's a fucking it's a time capsule because like it's so 2001 or whenever it was released, but it's the American release is three OVAs chopped up into 30-minute parts and shoved together and somehow they found a way to make like a an actual narrative through that. And just that alone, and then with the soundtrack, like, you have something that's a literal meme now, was just like, hey, the kids might resonate, kids seem to like fucking Smash Mouth, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's just such an interesting, interesting time and, like, thing that was created, and that generally has no business being made, and something that only could be made in 2001 by Fox Kids, or maybe Kids WB might have been able to pull it off. Well, I mean, it's still a talent to take three separate OVAs and to put it into one big film and put a tying narrative. Because I remember that I remember that film because again, I, I rented it from Blockbuster and watched it all day on like Christmas Eve. I've I I remember where I was, dude. Hell um, yeah! And so I remember like going, "This is a really pretty pretty movie." You know, this looks better than Digimon. I remember, and uh, who was the who is the kid? The, Willis. Willis's Digimon. Yes. Yeah. I loved that thing. Loved that. T- Terriermon is so <sighs> such a cool little guy. Man, we need to just we we really do just at some day just need to have the straight up Digimon episode. I mean, I'm doing my prep work now, my guy. I'm 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 gonna end up. I think my plan is to go through 
the adventure series and then kind of go off to like Digimon Tamers and other stuff. But I think after Adventure 2, I'm going to skip right to the Adventure Try. I think they're movies, but they might be a series. Probably uh, going to skip right to them and then just get the adventure story out of the way. The Digimon Try, they're, they're movies that are broken up into episodes if you stream them. Okay, interesting. I watched them when I watched them when they came out because I was just excited by the prospect of you know the first generation and the second generation interacting more and kind of tying you know t- all the stories together and just kind of leaving a finite ending because I remember at one point and I don't remember what Digimon series it was but they basically said that yeah Digimon Adventure is just a TV series in our world and I felt so assault like insulted by that to just yeah. render a facet of my childhood is yeah it's just a tv show in our universe sorry that yeah they didn't they get a little weird with some of the later digimon incarnations where they got like uh, almost too meta with it mm-hmm. yeah. um so the last thing i'll say about digimon and it's because you brought up the movie is fun fact the director of the first ova that was used in the digimon movie where Ka- tai and kari are are kids that was directed by Mamoru Hosoda. What? Really? One, yes, what it fuck? blew my fucking mind. Guy, Boy and the Beast, uh, I think Summer War, like all that shit. Like that. this is the guy who directed the first Digimon OVA. You know, now that you've said it, it I can see it. it, it it's connecting a little bit, you know? I, I See, I've never seen, I'll be honest, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen any of his other works, um, which is, you know, go ahead. Uh, stone me in the street that's fine oh fake anime fan boo boo. yeah yeah i know i'm a a piece of shit but (laughs) (laughs) that that ova specifically has such emotional resonance and like that as a kid that stuck with me so hard um just the emotion that was portrayed in the visual just the, the visual storytelling all that shit like you can tell that that was a like award winning prime director and the others were like Hey, we're here, and we did a good Digimon movie. Mm-hmm. I will say that now that you've said that, my mind has kind of got just blown through the back of my skull because I don't. You obviously you just said that you hadn't seen it, but there's he did a movie called Summer Wars, and Summer Wars is essentially the second part of that movie, our the war game part where the Digimon is like in the internet trying to send out viruses that'll send out nukes and all that. Wait, what? Yeah, his film Summer Wars has almost the same plot is the war game uh story in the movie that is that is okay now i feel like i have to actually like hit some people up and do some digging and put together a 30 minute video essay because there's got to be something here some of the characters because they have digital avatars in summer wars and they look like digimon i mean one of the dudes looks just like a digimon in his his universe i'm sh- i'm sh- fucking shook <laughs> Oh, that's that's so cool. Cause like you know, when a when a high value director works on something early in in their career, that might be seen as maybe below them as like Digimon. That's a kids thing, and Mama Hirsota is making these like art fucking films. Um, I don't know. It's cool to know that he still like has respect and reverence for Digimon, mm-hmm. um, or at least that's what this is kind of pointing to rather than he's like, yeah, I did that for a paycheck to like make a name, but I fucking hate that stupid kid shit. It's like, Hey, he's also a a fan. Yeah. I feel like he just, he just said, this is a damn good idea. He's just slipped in his pocket. I said, nobody will notice if I just 
spray paint say some awards over this you know <laughs> scratch off the digimon put in new digimon hey just erase all the rocket launchers we're good to go yeah put it in a rural japanese town the kids will eat that shit up <laughs> i'm pretty upset i'm not like really upset i'm just i don't know how i did not make the connections until like right now like i did i there's even that's that's another talk that's a, that's a different day <laughs> I mean, it's not an obvious thing, you know? Nobody's like, hey, Mamoru Soda, Digimon OVA, am I right? No, I mean, no one is. No one no one is. When everybody, people make like a Hasoda like compilation of all his works, no one ever covers the war game uh, OVA. Yeah, no. So I'm, uh, from now on, anytime an anime person is like, Mamoru Soda, did you like Bell? I'll be like, I was into Hasoda before he was cool. I watched <laughs> the Digimon OVA. <laughs> You're just gonna be like, oh, that's one of his lesser arts compared to the Digimon movie, but okay. If you were a real fan, you would respect his early work because that's when he was a real artor. Now it's too commercial. <laughs> like he's being too commercial with Bell Digimon. That was his. That was his prime artwork. You know, I just uh, shrug shoulders. But if you if you like it, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So what have you been up to, Matt? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, I really, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. So by the time you're listening to this episode, I will be hanging out with Audrey IRL for the first time in like a year. So uh, I've been kind of preparing myself for that, getting my car ready. Oh, I did just this just today. I went through the process of installing a a better nope in my computer and started up playing Animal Crossing for the GameCube. Um, oh hell yeah, bro! I'm I'm glad to see computers can run like can it does it like run good and stuff because I've tried GameCube nope. in the past and they have not worked. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, for legal reasons, I will say that I'm playing Animal Crossing. I, nope. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but yeah, just playing Animal Crossing. Uh, no, for real, I, it runs okay. There are some hiccups that I've noticed when I've been trying to like get things to like go through uh, screen to screen. You know, it, it's a it's an N sixty four game that was made for GameCube, all or ported up to GameCube, and so it's not the crispest visual slice you'll ever see. But I've been playing it, and it really just fills me with like the special sort of just hug that a video game can give you. It's you know, it's a life sim, and it's not like the late the newest one where you basically control every single aspect of your life, your hair, your appearance, all of that. I really feel like it fundamentally is a life sim. You don't have too much control over what you look like. You pop out, you don't have any control over your villagers, you can't do like these new Animal Crossing games and make an ethno state and say only deer live here. I have no control over that. I I have an ugly ass cat that's just my next door neighbor and I have to go, well, guess I have a cat for my neighbor and the cat goes and says, hey, you look like a fucking loser and I go, thank you cat. And I like <laughs> that. I like games that remove my agency in a way that is uh, true to what the game's trying to do. And I know that sounds like I'm just using a lot of terms to sound like I'm a fucking big smartass. But what I mean is that it's a life simulator, and I have no control over a vast amount of the elements around me. And that's what I feel like life is like. I can't control my neighbors. I can't control what I look like. I can't control any of that shit. I'm not using this for an escapist sort of uh, existence. I'm just using this because it's comfy to me. And because I can't control anything in this new Animal Crossing game, and I just only have so many opportunities to do anything in a given day, it just makes me feel, it makes me feel good. I guess it makes me feel at peace with just playing what little I play. 
and I like it because obviously the soundtrack is like ingrained in my brain all the beeps boops and just all that music is just in my soul at this point so it, it does feel just like a hug to me when I hear like the 12 a.m. music and I'm just standing around watching um, this bug creep closer to me it's just nice and I really like it and, hell yeah um, dude hell yeah I um I I never played that one I played New Horizons and I just couldn't get into it but um I I I understand what you mean by having too much agency can feel just a kind of I don't know for me it feels overwhelming and it's like well I if I could do anything like what what's the point of doing anything that's why I won't play things like Minecraft yeah I well I can't honestly I'm not a I'm not like a really creative person I don't thrive off open creativity where here's an unlimited amount of things you can do I can't do that what I can do is if you give me like six pieces of something and say make something with that I could do a lot more with that than being just given free reign an ultimate sort of creativity to do whatever I want, which is why that New Horizons game just, it after a certain amount of time, I said, I know that this doesn't look good. I know that there are people who do better things than me. I don't know how to reach that process. So I just gave up. In this game, I'm like, I only have so many building blocks to make my stuff look good, and so I can rearrange it better with the tools I have. And I like that too. I can't handle too, I can't handle too many options. It's like somebody dumping just the whole bucket of Legos and say, make something fun. And you're like, well, where's my direction? Like, I, yeah, this, exactly. This is just a box of Legos. What the fuck? I can't, I can't do that. Like, I could probably handle the Star Wars Lego set more and just be like, hey, my fucking TIE Fighter's got its wings on sideways. Hey, ain't that kooky? <laughs> and that would be delightful for me. But when I'm just given unlimited freedom, I realize that uh, I cannot handle it. But that, that's probably just me. And so that Animal Crossing, this, the Animal Crossing for the GameCube just really just gels with me a lot more. Plus, the people and the villagers in that game are assholes, and I kind of like that. Hell yeah. Straight up call you ugly. Straight up say you talk too much. And I like that. I just don't know what it is. I don't know why I like when people are mean to me sometimes. It just feels good. It's because you know they're being honest. You're like, yeah. oh, you've got nothing to hide. Anime-wise, I don't really have anything. Uh, this season, as I've said in a pre- prior podcast, is kind of it's a great season for me. I'm everything I'm picking up, I'm loving. Everything is just fits well, and I love it. And I can't wait to see more like Mashal, Hell's Paradise, My One Hit Kill Sister, just so many things that I, I just feel like this is the perfect season for me. I just feel like I'm thriving again. So I've just literally just been watching all these seasonals for any anime content for me. Just like that's the only thing I've been eating for anime that isn't related to this podcast, you know? That's not a bad thing. Then, you know, it's always good to be able to talk about airing shit. I mean, no, less people want to talk about, I guess Digimon's a bad example because every time I've brought it up, I people come out of the woodwork to be like, fucking Digimon, I love Digimon, but less people want to talk about old anime than they want to talk about the new airing stuff. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, this season's just got so much stuff that I've seen the, mo- like I've read the manga adaptations for and all of it just... It's exciting for me, I guess. I mean, Mashal, I love Mashal. I just love... I love things that don't take themselves too seriously. The sister thing is literally just a retread of the mommy anime. Everything is just gelling right for me. Hell's Paradise is basically like if... A little bit like if Chainsaw Man was like eyeing Ghost of Tsushima a little bit too hard over there and decided to make a baby with it in a way. Oh. That's kind of a... That's really a bad description for Hell's Paradise. I want to say it's like Chainsaw Man and it are on first name basis, basis at least. They at least are aware of each other. They've got each other's mailing addresses. Okay. 
So I, I feel like they have some things akin to each other, but I'm sure that somebody's going to get really mad the fact that I said that. But, hey, that's what I feel at least. Hey, you know, you can't say shit without pissing people off. Oh, absolutely not. There's nothing There's nothing you can say that people will ever be like, oh, yeah, this so true, so true, bestie. No, it never will happen. <laughs> but, yeah, this just... Just the seasonal anime has been the only thing that I've been really consuming anime-wise, although there's plenty of things that I want to pick back up. And now that you've talked so much about Digimon, I really want to go back into Digimon. I mean, there's there's no better time. You did the you did the dub. Ah, uh, yeah. I know that the dub's got its... I, I, I hate certain aspects of that dub. It's bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I watched it's bad. For, there, there are two reasons. First, nostalgia, because it's like the voices, you know, they live in my heart. And second of all... Um, it's Digimon, and I don't want to have to have my eyes glued to the screen to read the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not taking this super seriously. I understand it's a show for kids, and, yet, you know, if I gotta run and take a piss and I forget to pause it, then if it's not in the middle of a fight with fucking Myotismon, then I'm okay. I don't know. I just remember there's certain, you know... You know how like we anime likes to do this thing where they'll set up a scene and you'll have a setting up, you'll have like a layout shot, like an atmosphere shot. And every time there's an atmosphere shot in these old anime, they of course pull in like a fucking one-liner joke. You know, like "Where's the bathroom?" or oh, "Looks pretty yeah. big from here." Oh yeah, the puns are are terrible. I've heard things such as uh, "Digi dinner," and that's <laughs> like why that's not that I don't think that's in the original. But hey, we're here. We're in America. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean I, I i really just all this talk of digimon has got me wanting to get back into digimon but knowing me i know myself i'll probably i don't know if i'll do it but i really want to i really want to oh if you do do it you you've got it you've got somebody here I'm, i'd love to talk about digimon for a full <laughs> two hours so Uh-oh. you know you know how to get a hold of me yeah i do we, we we've we We'll we'll stay in touch. We'll stay in touch. All right, my people, your people. Yeah, we'll we'll they'll get in touch. You know, like you know, Samurai Wack and Craig will be in touch. They'll they'll talk each other. They'll talk it over. Good. And speaking of talking it over, let's take a quick break and go into today's core subject when we get back. Hey, folks, it's Matt here to talk just a tiny bit about Boom Slank. Boom Slank is an anime apparel and lifestyle brand that has super unique style and art across their entire lineup of phone cases, posters, hoodies, t-shirts, and stickers. I actually really, really love their stuff, which is why I'm so hyped to talk about them, because, you know, I'm an actual fan of theirs and their lead artist, Shinobi P. I have their Mania phone case and their Leo hoodie, and they're both these kind of things that my coworkers who aren't into anime, usually, and my friends who are definitely into anime, actually say something to me about because they both have this kind of spirit and design that you're not really going to see anywhere else in the market as far as anime apparel and those kind of products go. So that being said, I'm super excited to say that if you want to get some Boom Slank merch and help support the podcast in the process, then you can go to their website, boomslank.com, and use our coupon code at checkout, Otaku Melancholy Podcast, that's all one word, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. Or if you just want to go straight to their website you can go to the www.boomslank.com slash otaku melancholy podcast to just have that coupon code automatically applied when you go to checkout so yeah a huge thanks to boom slank for reaching out and offering to help and support this podcast because it means so much for you know a brand that i actually like and that audrey and i both really admire to help support us and just in case you didn't know how to spell that, it's B-O-O-M-S-L-A-N-K dot com. 
and there's even a link to their website with our coupon code in the show notes of whatever platform you're listening to this episode on. Thank you guys for listening to this. Back to the episode. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. But if you did not enjoy the break, then you can go to patreon.com slash otaku melancholy to get episodes with no break, as well as super secret episodes and a super secret Discord channel, and your name shouted out at the end of every episode. Let's get into today's core subject. Uh, Wonder Egg Priority released in 2021 via Cloverworks that you may know, and if you're listening to an anime podcast, you know them for my dress up, darling. Let's be Let's be honest here. Who didn't watch my dress up, darling? Yeah, I don't know. People who have little, so like aromantic and asexual people probably wouldn't get a whole lot out of it, maybe. I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that. I mean, yeah, you're right. I was just, look, I, you know, maybe I, maybe I took it too seriously, but I started to think like, who, you're right, who didn't watch Dress Up Darling? And I think that's probably like the only, the only demographic that wouldn't get much out of it because, you know, it's a, it's a horny romance show, but that's not why we're here. I mean, I guess I should have said The Promised Neverland, but I forget they did The Promised Neverland. Yeah, and, the, you know, there's a a little bit of a debacle at the end. It's uh, almost like they're trying to uh, establish a trend. <laughs> yeah, Cloverworks and finishing an anime properly, that's two things that'll never mesh well together. <laughs> yeah, so I actually was like, what else has Cloverworks done? So I immediately went to their mail page and I was like, oh, well, I guess they did a lot, huh? Recently, they've been putting out a lot of like quality anime. Um, Promise Neverland season two aside, in the past, like since what twenty nineteen, did they yeah. do anything before that? I feel like the first thing that I am aware of that they had done was the Promise Neverland. They apparently helped with the Phoenix Ride anime. It's looking like a lot of their bops are just in the later seasons, uh, the latest stuff more more so than anything else. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, gosh, how could I forget? Um, Rascal does not dream of a bunny girl. Okay, that's a pretty that's a pretty big one. Yeah, that's the one I should have gone with. I'm terrible at this podcasting thing. I should <sighs> need to quit. <laughs> nope, no, you can't quit, Matt. You have to wait until you get fired. All right, you got to collect that <laughs> unemployment. Yeah, I mean, I just I just keep slaying I just keep saying slurs, and Craig just keeps editing them out. So I'm never gonna get fired. That's a joke. <laughs> I don't say slurs, but. You know, uh, they also had Hand and Darling in the Franks, but, you know, because people forget that they're like, A1 Pictures and Trigger, but Cloverworks is also like, yeah, A1 Pictures and Trigger, you ruined anime. Honestly, with some of the discourse about Darling and the Franks, Cloverworks is probably like, yeah, A1 Pictures and Trigger. Yeah, fuck not yeah. those guys. Not us, yeah, those guys. Fuck those guys. They, they fucked it up. That We didn't have anything to do with that. And they also, uh, they also had a part in Spy Family, but... I felt like Spy Family, as much as I loved it, I feel like it kind of just, nobody's talking about that anymore. Spy um, Family is like, uh, obviously we're getting off topic here, but yeah, so you know, we're topic. talking about Cloverwork. Spy Family is like so wonderful and cozy to watch when you're watching it, but yeah, like, is there really anything to break down and talk about a month after it's aired and not so much, unless like Anya's cute? Yes, we know. I mean, yeah, it really is just candy. You eat it, you throw it away, the wrapper, and you go, yep, I enjoyed that, but it's not going to have any lasting impact on your health or well-being. It's uh, empty I'm calories. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so we got off topic. Cloverworks, uh, Cloverworks, great studio. Their studio, definitely. I don't know why I said great. But Wonder Egg Priority is today's subject, and if you aren't familiar with Wonder Egg Priority, I'll give you a quick synopsis. So there's this cute little butter bean called I Oto, and she's got um, heterochromia. She's got eyes that are two different colors, and that gets her bullied for some reason, which if I saw that in real life, I would want to be your friend, but I am not an asshole Japanese uh, school student. 
So she's got a friend, Koito, and Koito ends up killing herself, or does she? Question egg, question, question egg, question egg, question egg. <laughs> um, and she basically somehow ends up getting Alice in Wonderland landed into another dimension where she buys a Wonder Egg. And basically what a Wonder Egg does, it basically turns, um, it throws her into an environment, she cracks it open, and it becomes Fort, it becomes Fortnite Battle Royale because a billion things are trying to kill her from all directions. And she has no way to survive, and she's got to protect the girl who hatched out of the egg. It, it usually, well, I say usually, they're always suicide victims or suicides. What's the good term for this? Um, I think mm. probably su- yeah, victims. A weird word because yeah, that's yeah. A weird victims of suicide. Uh, I feel like that's probably the best we're gonna get because suicides sounds a little too Girl Scout. Like, yeah, we're all a troop. We're suicides. It's like okay, <laughs> Heaven's Gate, take it easy. <laughs> uh, uh, they're all people who are persons who have died via suicide. Uh, so she's basically got to protect those people for until uh, the sun comes up, and once she does that, then everything will be okay. But usually, associated with this wonder, this wonder person is a wonder killer, someone who has played a major factor which led to their suicide. Maybe a overindulgent teacher, someone who was sexually exploitative to them, or maybe an entity that they felt wronged them and led them to committing suicide. So. I, as well as the other cast of characters who eventually join the the Wonder Egg team, are tasked with trying to protect these girls so that by protecting them, they can eventually revive the persons in their life who committed suicide. And I'm saying suicide a little bit too much. Now it's become kind of uncomfortable. But yeah, that is the core premise of Wonder Egg. And it is a, um, it is a very anime, uh, it's a very anime story, first and foremost. One, uh, just to jump off immediately, uh, this aired in 2021 and it came in a it came I think it came in April I'm not too certain but it came during a hot ass season like Mashoko Tensei came out uh the final season as or so we were led to believe the final season of um Attack on Titan I don't know why I couldn't say Attack on Titan there for a second uh Dr. Stone the second part of just never let it was a hot fire ass season the second part of the second season of ReZero it was a season to remember you know nowadays we've got so many seasons where it's like damn this is such a good season we've we're just stuffed on anime but when wonder egg came out i was so i was so obsessed with this show in every single way like every single time that a new episode aired i would get super invested in just watching it as soon as possible and so where were so where were you when it originally aired earthworm is what i'm trying to get to I was not watching uh, Wonder Egg Priority when it was airing. Um, at the time, it was only on Funimation, and I, I just didn't have a Funimation sub. So yeah, I was doing other stuff. I was getting yelled at by listeners for not watching new anime, such as Wonder Egg Priority. Um, I think I first watched it, I want to say, about a year after it had aired. So sometime in spring 2022, it was one of those... Um, it's a time where I had a lot of free time at work, like an ungodly amount of free time. Mm-hmm. So I probably, I, I just watched most of it in a parking lot on my phone in like a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, I do rem- I do recall that Funimation was struggling to try to take your money. Yeah, for a while, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but um, yeah, I tried to buy some like merch and it was like, nah, your credit card's no good here, friend. Like, okay. <laughs> your money's no good here, friend. So can I take the thing? Oh no! Oh no! 
We're not even gonna let you watch our anime. <laughs> anime? Watch an anime on Funimation? Boy, you must be out of your mind. Excuse me, kind stranger. Could you tell me where Wonder Egg Priority is? Cock shotgun. Back the way you came. <laughs> well, this came out. This came out like in a really thick season. I feel like nowadays, as as someone who tries to like dab their toe into the seasonal waters every now and then, every time I see Source Original, I get really excited. You know. Because that means, as a unit, we as a collective anime society are not going to have manga readers or light novel enjoyers coming up and being like, Oh, you like that character? <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't like them. <laughs> oh, you'll see what I mean soon enough. <laughs> oh, oh, or will you? <laughs> Which I think is great, because I hate fuckers like that, despite being one of said fuckers. <laughs> but it was so exciting, because... First of all, the visuals, when you first see the show, it is so, it's so colorful in all the right ways, you know? Yeah, it's like an abstract painting, colorful, um, and just high, I love high contrast stuff, and this is like, when you have the main character who's in a bright yellow hoodie with a fucking sunflower on it, like, that Mm -hmm. says everything you need to know about the whole color scheme. I mean, and every single character is represented by a color, I mean, uh. Rika is basically just red. Uh, Momoe is blue. And Nehru tosses between, like, she's green in the text chats, but she wears a lot of gray. And so they're each identifiable. Immediately you see that color, and then immediately you pop to what that character, who that character is. And I really and truly feel like there's each color was selected to kind of pop with their personality. I, you know, at the start of the show is really repressed. She's very, uh, she's very just prone to being subdued. But by the end of the show, she's a lot more perky and a lot more of like the very very thing on her hoodie. She's like a sunflower. Every time I see I, I feel happy when she does her little double peace sign. I just go, dang it. I just I just love you so much in a platonic way. <laughs> Quick, just aside. Did you watch yeah. this dubbed or subbed for this rewatch? I watched this dubbed uh, both times, actually. I really, really think the dub performances are wonderful. I do too. I do too. I really, really love every single performer in this dub. But I cannot stay. I that first appearance of Rika, I was gonna shoot her if she said, "My name is Rika Kawai. Kawai, as in Kawaii, because I'm a cutie." <laughs> That's so funny. Shut up. Yeah, like then that. I I think that really speaks to her character. You can tell that she's one hundred percent fake when you meet her. Like she's just playing this idle role and saying stupid, corny one-liners like that. She and that's even like in her character too, because she had a pink hair. She had pink hair in her um, in her idol days, and now she just keeps a streak of it, which is a good good design choice. But it also just highlights that that she's not a hundred percent dissolving herself of her prior identity, and that's really you know not to just immediately dive into their themes in Wonder Egg, but I feel like that is a big part of the theme of Wonder Egg, and that is identity. It's a it's such a good pick because there is really just as there's just like this discussion and like when you're making a story like how much you want to just tell the audience that this is representing something else you know basically layering and saying this is about this but you need to know that this is what it's about this or just straight up saying this is about depression but wonder egg i feel like is that perfect blend where if you just didn't think about this show you would just be like hell yeah fighting fucking feelings with pins and swords Love it. So it's like as much as you want to invest yourself into the show is as much as you're going to get out of it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, without a doubt. And I think that really speaks to, um, and this is also goes to like you uh, you mentioned, they all have their individual colors. At its heart, 
this is 100% a magical girl show. Oh, it might absolutely. Like, you don't have all the tropes. Like, you don't have any sailor special uniform type things. You don't necessarily have the transformation sequence. But like you said, they're all color-coded. It's about finding yourself, your identity. Um, I will say, quick shout-out, if anybody wants more of a magical girl look on Wonder Egg Priority... Go over to the YouTube channel Clear and Sweet. It's a friend of our podcast. And uh, yeah, Kai breaks down a bunch of Magical Girl stuff, but uh, he's got a few videos on Wonder Egg Priority. And yeah, just a real good resource for that. But yeah, I just think it's like at its heart, it's a Magical Girl show and it's fun and it's about friends, you know, becoming friends and having fun and the kind of joys of being a teenage girl and yeah, if you wanted to, you could kind of look past all the really deep emotional stuff and just, you know, at least for the most part, have a fun romp through a Picasso painting and watch I yell she's angry and beat the shit out of some weird elephant man. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's just the thing that I, I really liked about the show. And you're definitely right about the magical girl nature. One of the things that I immediately noticed on my rewatch, my first watch, I was just in the spectacle of the moment from each moment to moment. And, you know, it's really one of the things that, like a magical girl show, the villain of the week is always something that, while it's not going to be overwhelmingly new or bring, you know, like a new sort of element to like what the powers can be that this villain has, they're always interesting to see their motivations. And that's kind of what Wonder Egg does. It's it's these sort of hyperbole, this hyperbole I would say hyperbole even though that's fucking wrong the hyperbolic sort of moments that these characters have where they're like I'm an angry teacher and my monster says that I want you to never fucking do a damn thing it really reminds me of those sort of classic uh, Sailor Moon villains where it's just I'm evil because being evil feels good Um, yeah or at least the filler arc stuff Another thing that really ties that together is every single time they transform their weapons, the very uh, the very textures they use for the transformation are kind of reminiscent of the textures and sort of the the patterns that they would kind of implement for like transformation sequences in like Sailor Moon or Cardcaptor Sakura. They're like those bright little f- those bright little flashes, those shining ovals that fly upward. You, you'll know it when you see it. And if you see any time a character transforms their weapon in Wonder Egg, it really does look like the textures of a, a transformation sequence from one of those shows. Yeah, it being a Magical Girl show, that is 200% what this is. This is just a Magical Girl show for 2020 for the 2020s to trick the kind of neckbeards who wouldn't watch a Magical Girl show into watching it. Or at least that's what I'm taking away from it in some degree. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of, like, because uh, back in 2011, Madoka came out and blew the doors off of what a Magical Girl show could be, but now, now what, 11 years later, you have to, 10 years later, I guess, you have to find a new way to subvert what people are expecting from a quote-unquote dark Magical Girl show. So having them be, I guess, less tropey, but you can still see the DNA and the love for everything Magical Girl baked into every scene of this show. But it's just not like, like you said, on the surface, it's not going to turn off the sweaty neckbeards who are like, oh, I don't like Sailor Moon because it's a girl thing and she's not (laughs) naked. (laughs) Yeah, they can just go and they can see, this is a cute girl. She's so cute and all that. Or at least that's what I'm imagining the internal sweaty neckbeard dialogue goes. (laughs) <laughs> Why don't I want to fuck I? I hate this show. Ah! 
you know, there's a lot of times, and we, I think we've all, I think we've both discussed this on our podcast. That anytime you see an anime character and they say, "I'm Jotaro Kujo and I'm 15 years old and he's taller than my fucking paneling out, the paneling in my fence outside," you you just add, you have to add 10 years to every single time they say they're like 15, you know? Oh yeah. But these girls are like, "Yeah, we're 14," and I say, "Yes, you are. You are absolutely 14." Yeah, 100 percent. Not only in the character design, but the way they act. Like it's, it's so 14 year old girl in the best way possible. Like I don't want to sound like a creep. I don't. I'll definitely don't want to sound like either of the Akas. But you know, there is a, a sense of like innocence and like just camaraderie that I think. I don't want to say you can only get from being a teenage girl around friends, but that it's more prevalent there. Well, I mean, neither one of us has experience as being a teenage girl, so what we bring to this podcast is going to be very lacking. For sure. And this isn't us. I don't think either one of us is going to be making like generalized sort of like women have to act like this, 14-year-old girls have to act like this. But the atmosphere is like real youthful sort of girl atmosphere, you know? Like, yeah. everyone feels like they care about each other, which as a 14-year-old boy, I would go up and tell my friends, I'd be like, hey, I hope you fuck off and die someday. <laughs> or maybe that's just, that could be just me, but. No, uh, being a teenage boy is uh, you make friends by being mean to everybody and hoping that they don't punch you in the face. Could you imagine if they did Wonder Egg Priority, but with just teenage boys, they would just be like, it would be destructive. Well, it's uh, it's funny you bring that up because I I don't remember who was talking about this, but the book, The Lord of the Flies, um, I can't remember. I think it might have been the author of that book was asked, like, what do you think would happen if you put a bunch of girls on the island instead of boys? And and they were like, well, they'd probably get on and make a good society and like, you know, not go fucking crazy. I don't know how true that is. I again, we neither of us have been a teenage girl, but uh, <laughs> I just think it's interesting. Yeah, well, I I just think that the camaraderie that they have is, you know, it's a lot sweeter and more, um, a lot more sort of picking each other up, where, you know, you look to other shows that have quote-unquote 14-year-old boys, uh, generally they're going to be written for, you know, the audience of 14-year-old boys, you know, you write for your audience and all that, but this show isn't necessarily writing for 14-year-old girls, or at least I don't feel like it is. I feel like it's more writing for just the sake of the story you know it's not writing for a target audience because where's your target audience gonna be yeah this show is not i don't think it's pandering to anybody Mm-mm. no absolutely not there's no hyper you know there's no gratuitous amount of like panty shots or anything like that although there is a scene where rika like rubs eyes thighs and like the thigh like has a texture to it and i said oh boy somebody took a lot of time on that one yeah and um just a quick aside this is also another just another part in you know another piece of evidence for the person running cloverworks has a foot fetish and that's just a fact oh yeah that's right yeah and like again it's not sexualized i wouldn't say but there's a lot of feet shots and uh then we can look to um where it is sexualized uh, my dress up darling a kebby sailor uniform if you're into that um you know a lot, a lot of feet in Cloverworks. Yeah, yeah, I do remember a Kevy being hard on that feet shit. A lot of feet, but um, anyway, I think, <laughs> I think the scene that kind of exemplifies what we're talking about is um, like ha- episode like nine or something. It's when Momoe finally gets a date, 
and she's texting the girls about it, and they just leave the Akas and say, we don't give a shit about the Wonder Eggs. Nobody cares. It's girl talk time. Like, our friend, yeah, our friend is going through something, and she's excited about something, and we're going to be there for her, and everything else can wait. Yeah, I remember they, they even say something like, yeah, save, saving people. <laughs> girl talk subverts, uh, supersedes uh, saving people. Yeah, they just walk away chanting, girl talk, girl, girl talk. talk. <laughs> Gosh, this is such a great dub. I really, I really love this dub. Even though my prior experience to this dub was just that scene where Rika goes, "No cap." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I that did stick out to me, and I'm like, uh, okay, they are teenagers, and teenagers say dumb words. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> you get, uh, you get one free no cap, says Earthworm. You get one. Again, it could be Marin Kitagawa saying totes. Every fucking sentence. I just, I, I like the show. That was a little much. Yeah, I didn't see that dubbed. But I bet if I saw it dubbed, I would hate it. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of lingo. Let's put it that way. So not, you know, by comparison, Wonder Egg Priority, very tame. Yeah. Well, Wonder, Pri- Wonder Egg Priority, because I've seen this subbed and dubbed, and I, I just to harken back to the relationships. In the sub, the performances feel very like subdued but not in like that way where everybody obviously didn't want to work today but just in that way that feels like everyone is just slightly insecure and talking in voices like not mumblecore exactly but in ways that aren't of that sort of anime nature where you're screaming out where you're being overzealous in your performances and that even carries to this dub no one is just doing that crazy anime thing where they use like a <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> where they use like that sort of just extra energy for any sort of like performance they do everyone feels like it feels like it's their fifth take but in the best way you know yeah and i think uh you th- we were talking about this before we started recording um but the the fact that you you mentioned this wasn't made by people who were in the anime industry so much as they had more experience doing like live action dramas i think that speaks a lot to them not being anime-esque in their voice acting yeah uh so for anyone who isn't because we did talk about this prior to this and i said we were going to bring it into this podcast but i'm glad you did it because i've totally forgotten about it one of the big hands in this in the wonder egg melting pot is shinji nojima who is not he is the creator of this which i don't know how much creative control a creator has over a property but he is a person who primarily works in just live action drama television he actually according to some things i was reading was very unsure of like how to proceed in his future he didn't he he wanted to uh he wanted to make something that had been more would be more popular for a vastly different audience and he felt like dramas weren't exactly the way to reach people so Nojima just came up with the concept for Wonder Egg Priority, wanted to, from what I was reading, find kind of a ground where he could mesh live action drama realism with some of the qualities that anime has, you know, that sort of exaggerated sort of feeling emotions and being more, you know, action based. And I feel like the concepts really made meshed really well because it does have the drama element of it where everyone is very true to their emotions. You know, they say... I don't want to get too off topic because I love saying this whole thing about how, you know, how like there are two types of anime characters, people who let their emotions dictate their actions and people whose actions dictate their emotions. And I feel like in Wonder Egg, it is just these characters have the emotions and then they make their actions, you know, 
And that's, yeah. I feel like that's, that's better. That's better writing, at least in my opinion, you know, I don't know how you feel about that as even as it concerns this either, you know? I think generally I would agree with you. I, it really depends on what you want, you know, I, cause I think that the, the shonen paragon hero, the Naruto's of the world do have their place to where, you know, sometimes you do want to watch somebody go, go full Simon and just change the world around him. But yeah, I think it's very much, it's way more realistic. Like I don't, I personally don't choose the way I feel in the morning and maybe that's a bad thing, but I wake up and I feel the way I feel. And then that kind of, I go about my day from there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd say if I had to pick one for the rest of time, I I'd definitely take the, the more shoujo route. Right. Where you're more, you're how you're feeling dictates what you do rather than the goal or what you're going to do will be dictating what you exactly feel because you're doing it. I, yeah. Yeah, like so, I said, there's a place for that, but um, no, maybe it's just because I'm a cynical, almost 30-year-old now, and I'm just like, eh, you can't change the world, kid. <laughs> it, was kind of a bro- it was kind of a broad topic for me to approach to say that, but the writing of Wonder Egg, I, I really like it because it, is, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't go full on, we can do this, we believe in ourselves until the very cusp of the moment. Basically, every single fight is waiting for I to finally go, oh, wait. I can do this. That's every, basically every single fight is just, the characters go like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting beat, but oh wait, yeah, that's right, I can do this. And I feel like that's more true to life, you know? You don't, every single day we just go through our emotions and just eventually we go, oh yeah, that's right, I, I can actually get a house if I decide to save things, and I think I will. So I, I like that it's not written sort of in that shonen vein where it's, I'm going to keep going and going and going, and you can't stop me. No one will ever fucking stop me. Fucking, I'm the best thing ever. Oh, it doesn't matter if I lose my fucking legs. I'm still going to come the fuck after you. Go full Lieutenant Dan on your ass. I don't need these <laughs> legs. <laughs> so we've kind of just been vaguely mentioning everything that's kind of cool about um, uh, kind of cool about Wonder Egg. And obviously, because we, we're kind to you, listener, because I assume that you, you've not seen every single anime on this earth, or at least... That's a bold presumption, I'd, I'd assume. But So we're going to have a spoiler section eventually. But before we get into that, I kind of just wanted to highlight a little bit about sort of where the story was going originally for me. So obviously, if you if you have a slight sort of like ear to the ground as far as anime goes, you know that the uh, this show was marred with production issues. And eventually it just says, fuck Wonder Egg, we fucking Stargate now. But I just want to kind of like pull you a little bit, Earthworm. I know you uh, of the of the two anime brothers. You uh, you will kind of invest yourself more into Moe a little bit more. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To- Jade. I don't think JD's ever watched anything that could actually be considered a Moe, and that's not by accident. Yeah. Well, I don't want to like be like I the more sensitive anime brother. Who doesn't? Who watches Moe stuff? I just I didn't know I didn't know how to approach that statement. No, honestly, a JD would probably agree with you. I am one hundred percent like I'm overly sensitive most of the time. Um, so yeah, I think that's a true statement. Well, I don't know. He's not here to defend himself, so I don't want to be like I don't want to be outrageously rude to JD and just. No, it's it's fine. That's I I first of all he he's leaving me, so fuck him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah, that's fucking. Weird. No, every, I I don't know why. Maybe it's panic but every time i'm on another podcast or do a solo or podcast without jd i'm like yeah fuck that guy anyway uh (laughs) 
was. So earthworm. <laughs> yeah. Earthworm. Talk to I was trying to say as someone who likes Moe shit. As someone who likes Moe shit, did you kind of find that the story of Wonder Wonder Egg Priority, did you feel like it was kind of little, a little bit kind of going into that Moe, look at these cute-ass girls doing cute-ass shit when it wasn't. Look at these cute-ass girls dealing with their traumas. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. I mean, that definitely invoked feelings of Moe. Yeah, invoking feelings of Moe, that feeling of like a best girl, best boy, like I want to protect you. It's nothing. And we were kind of messaging about this. Like I I care very much for these characters in a strange way because, you know, a lot of the times when you find an emotional connection, there is like something I, I for not to beat crass, but like something mildly sexual about it. Like uh, we're going to keep bringing up uh, My Dress Up Darling as a an analog but Marin Kitagawa she's a wonderful character and like fun and stuff but she's also like super horny bait so to get attached there often comes that like you know and, and also being a dude I I heard said somewhere I think it was a Jenny Nicholson video men are not bred to have an emotional connection with something and not think can I fuck it so I I I want to give a shout out to Wonder Egg for being able to invoke those feelings of Moe and yes, very much make me just emotionally invested in these characters without crossing that line of wonder what their butt looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but as far as it being like, I don't know if I'd classify it strictly as a Moe because, you know, it doesn't follow a lot of the tropes of like the same meeting place, all the other stuff besides the super endearing characters well i i just bring it up because there's a whole lot of stuff in the show that as i was watching it and again the second rewatch was a lot more wonderful for me because i wasn't just going from moment to moment like oh where's what's going to happen next but when i was just sitting here and watching it again i kind of just soaked in as someone who in 2020 or 2021 i was a little bit less experienced and a little bit more jaded oddly enough and so, you know, every single time there was a mild bit of hinting of where the story was going to go, I was like, oh, of course you're going to go there, Wonder Egg. <laughs> of course that's going to happen. And that was unfair to Wonder Egg because I see after this rewatch, I'm going like, there's so much here that isn't like anime. And that's something that I like because as much as I like anime, I hate anime. <laughs> and I, I say that with all kindness, but I hate when anime does anime shit and just lean into it in ridiculous ways like i'm not i'm not sounding like i'm being contrarian here no you i I 100 agree with you because like that's why shows like this and like evangelion where they they don't do not even the broad scale tropes but the like individual like dialogue style tropes they don't touch upon any of those that's why those shows stand out in a Mm -hmm. medium that's um even when things are different even when premises are completely different like you have you you pretty much have the same joke and reaction in a show like full metal alchemist brotherhood and a show like your lie in april they both have almost identical like joke reaction style comedy and they're nothing alike so when something breaks that mold it really stands out yeah that that's kind of where I'm coming with with Wonder Egg as well is that there isn't there's never that um those moments that you typically kind of hate with shows like anime shows where some character does something ridiculous and you get a pan up to the sky as everybody goes nani and I think that's just what makes me more endeared to Wonder Egg now 
now as I'm watching it once again, it's almost outsider art. It's outsider art that knows what it's trying to do, you know? It's not like whenever you see a director make a movie who's never made a movie before, you end up with shit like The Room. Oh, hi, Mark. Or, you know, someone who's never made a video game ends up trying to make a video game. They make something that's like a walking simulator where you walk as people tell you how you're supposed to feel. Obviously, it's not just one guy who made this entire fucking anime. That's Literally, he didn't just go in and say, I'm going to make an anime now. Uh, he wasn't the director. He wasn't any in any part of the actual production. He was just a writer. He just wrote what was going to happen and handled some of the creativity facets of it. But it's just the fact that there is someone who made something who wasn't just like, you know, a 10-year veteran who'd worked on every single show and then made something and obviously poured a little bit more of themselves. And again, this is basically just going to be Earthworm and I talked about this before the show, the show. Uh, I was talking about how this kind of gave me Eva vibes. And it gave me Eva vibes in the way that obviously it pr production just fucked up at the end, uh, similar to OG Eva. But like Eva, I feel like it is really sincere about the emotion, the emotional subjects that it broaches. For the example, for the example of it being about characters who commit suicide and have to live with, you know, people in their lives who commit suicide. That's a really hard subject to talk about. I've never like. I have never, I, and I think we've all, I think, I've obviously thought of committing suicide. It's happened. We, everybody thinks about it at some point or another. Some people just think about it a little bit more than others, you know, and I think I've been in that group where I've thought about it a little bit more than others. That's why we, every uh, September, we donate all the Patreon funds, go to the, uh, to suicide prevention, prevention relief and all that, mm -hmm. uh, because I've been there and to kind of see the show where characters are reacting to having family and friend or friends commit suicide, it makes you really understand how bad how bad of a thought that can really be. And I know that sounds like I'm being just like a juvenile, just, you know, uh, a t after school TV special going, suicide is bad. You know, one of the things that when I went through some of the counseling that I went through, it was all about, you know, having, having a support, having people in your life who support you. And... Uh, this is actually a spoiler, which I'll talk about later, so I'll bring this up later. But there's a certain character who thinks about suicide, and it's revealed later that maybe they could have committed suicide. But one of her one of their final revelations is like, my mother loves me. That's a really sweet moment when that character goes, you know what? My mother does love me. She's trying. And that's really, that's really nice to see that sort of grounding moment. And I love how the show, into the same vein as Eva, and I've been going off on a long-ass tangent and no, being really good, fucking real. But much like how Eva has the subjects of disconnect with other human beings, how do people perceive me, am I truly alone, Wonder Egg still has the same sort of thing like, I feel, I don't feel well, and I am struggling to feel well, and I have people around me who are struggling to feel well, but they're still there for me. Because all the characters who are supporting other characters in the show are all fundamentally flawed in some way or another. You've got Rika and her mom. Her mom, who is like a hostess, but still, you know, is trying for Rika. And I and her mom, who are going through some things as well, are just uh, Momoe and sort of the relationship she's having with her, with her friend Haruka, who killed herself. There's a lot of sincerity in it. And it's never in that vein of like a little just like, it's never feeling hackneyed and feeling like something that's fairly fucking obvious. There's fucking nuance to these characters and how they feel about each other. It's not just, I've got to rescue her because I feel like 
I'm supposed to. I mean, Rika's literally just doing it because she was re- rescuing, uh, what's her name? Oh, um, chi- oh God. something, chi, chi something. Chi, some chi, chi something. She's only rescuing chi something because <laughs> chi was a fan and killed herself because Rika, Rika basically convinced her to do so in an offhanded manner. And that's, that's, that's pretty real, you know, like living, that's the kind of guilt you'll have to live through when you do that kind of shit where you're just like, yeah, you should probably just, you know, never fucking eat again or whatever. Oh, you starved yourself. Oh, well, like life goes on. Rika's literally like, oh, hey, I'm a shitty person and I need to kind of uh, fix myself for it. And I hate myself for it. Yeah. Like, no. So like speaking to the, like, I think the word you used is perfect. the, The nuance of how this tackles topic of suicide and how it affects the how it affects the people who are still around and it never delves into a guilt trip type thing for the person committing suicide which i think is wonderful because that you know as people who have you know thought about it a little bit more serious than maybe some other people mm-hmm. hearing about like oh well you're going to disappoint everybody so much it's like well I'm already disappointing everybody so what like that shit really doesn't help like being made to feel guilty never right. helps and it it tackles so many different like ways it can affect somebody so you brought up Rika who is feeling genuinely guilty and I I think we can all agree rightfully so for being a kind of a terrible person and and then realizing, oh my God, my actions have genuine consequences, and what she now she wants to be better, whatever that means to her. But mm. then you have someone like Momoe who didn't do anything wrong. Momoe was just trying to be herself and be true to her sexuality and her her identity, and that in turn hurt hurt somebody she cared very much about. So she's feeling this kind of unwarranted guilt where. Mm though she didn't do anything wrong she still has the feeling of i should have you know should i have just accepted her even though it's not what i wanted she would have been here i could have it's a kind of a martyr complex um or like a reverse martyr complex and then for i um she just wants to know like yeah it it really like she misses her friend and all that but the thing that really is bothering her is the is the question, you know, it's the yeah. not knowing why. Could I have done something? Was it this guy? Do I have to hate Mr. Sawaki or is he actually fine? Were you ever even my friend to begin with? And like, to get, I guess we've already kind of delved into some real stuff, so I'll get real with you real quick. You know, my, my dad died of a fentanyl overdose. Um, right. No, about half decade ago. And, you know, he was trying to do heroin. He wasn't a heroin addict. He was a he was addicted to prescription pills. This is the first time, you know, one of the first times I had known about him doing actual heroin. So mm. though he got spiked with a drug that he wasn't supposed to be doing, there's still that part of me that wonders, like, how much of it was truly an accident? Because he was, a, you know, any most... I'd say anybody who's addicted to drugs is in some sort of immense emotional, physical, some sort of pain. And Mm -hmm. that he was very much that, you know, emotional pain, physical pain, like he he had it all. So I wonder, like, how much of that was him just truly trying to, to quell, you know, the arthritis in his back and all that shit. And how much of it was, like, I 
don't care what happens to me. You know, I, I, I so I understand yeah. where I is coming from, where it's like that, that not knowing allows your mind to wander and then you come up with worst case scenarios and it becomes so much worse than that. And I loved how it tackled that of like, it, 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 there isn't a, you know, I, I'd say that it is legitimately somewhat selfish. And I don't think that being selfish is inherently a bad thing. But yeah, for to satisfy, I guess, really your own curiosity, your own quest for knowledge in some weird way, that being the driving force why you feel bad, it is kind of selfish, but Wonder Egg's not afraid to tackle these these feelings that you have of like this isn't this isn't a show about like what is the right thing to do when somebody in your life dies or commits suicide. This is a show about how a bunch of different people might deal with it and there is no right or wrong way. Everybody's different and we all just kind of have to find a way to move on and continue to push forward. Right. I feel like this show, because it dwells and deals with the kind of things about how you overcome those people in your life who are going through this sort of thing and who do commit suicide. It's like you're saying, like, I's motivation is to save her friend in a way she thinks so, but she wants to know why. And that's, that is the hardest thing you could ever, that's the hardest thing to know is the why. And that's true of any kind of circumstances about why this happens. You know, just to bring it back to something that if you are a listener, you probably know of, but Robin Williams, you know, Mm -hmm. a beloved actor, uh, a comedic actor who committed suicide. And, you know, we don't know why, you know, we're never going to know why, but that's the worst part, you know? We're not going to know why. Like, people who seem so happy who just do it. And Koito, from I's perspective, seemed happy. And I was there for her. So for her to just do that ends up being such a harrowing experience for, for I because it's like, but I was there and she made me feel, you know, she helped me so much. And then she just goes and do, does this. And it's just, and by the end of it, you kind of see more of Koito and then it, you, you realize that people are just people and the things that happen are their circumstances beyond your control and people aren't always the kind of thing the kind of saints that you think they are i feel like we should just go ahead and go to yeehaw spoiler country sure no because uh that that's good because i wanted to talk to you uh, i wanted to ask you what how do you feel about koito at now now that the show is over and you've experienced it multiple times like what are your overall feelings about her as a person i guess all right partners we're now in big old spoiler country so if you want to skip one hour 59 minutes and 58 seconds and find out the answer to this question you can so go ahead and do that right now <laughs> some southern flavor uh so when Koito has finally revealed the kind of been trying to manipulate the teacher a little bit. And from the perspective you see from the show to that point, it feels like the teacher is kind of the one in the wrong. Yeah, he had this very, and I still, even though knowing he didn't do anything wrong, I cannot shake this fucking insidious vibe that that guy gives me. No, I mean, he's totally, he's, he's got the, uh, he's got the bad guy haircut, you know? Like yeah. if you've ever seen an anime where suddenly a character goes, I'm actually the evil one all along. It's the right bang proportions, you know? If you've got two, like, he's got almost that, uh, who is that asshole from Attack on Titan that we all hate? 
Oh, uh, is it Flock that we're talking about? Yeah, Flock. He's got the Flock bangs going on, you know? Yeah, all he's missing, really, from being like a straight-up supervillain is the glasses that he can push back for the glare. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and I mean, that's this is kind of a, I mean, this is kind of like a hot subject, and I'm not going to touch it too much. But I think what Wonder Egg was a little bit trying to say, and for what it's worth, was just trying to say a little bit about perspective. Was you go in and you immediately go, yeah, the fuck Mr. Mr. Bangs over here. He's the guy who did wrong. Koito was just was just being used, and then it turns out that Koito was using him. I mean, like, I think it's saying more about perspective than anything like, yeah, the victims are always in the wrong. I don't know. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I hope people don't take it out of context. And I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, perspective's important, and that's not to disregard the power structures that are in the world in that like it's it's much easier to manipulate women and again the the way our fucking society structured like yeah so it's to give them more of the benefit of the doubt and be like yes i am going to believe you makes like in a perfect world like yeah we would be impartial until until like we figured it out but no this is not an impartial world and there are shitty fucking shitty societal structures that make it so it's like well yeah women do get abused like this so it's hard to be like well let's take a step back now because 90 like i don't i don't want to you know just for throwing out a percentage like 99 percent of the time like yes they are 100 percent telling the truth and it's like you really want to go fucking find and dig for that one percent and like see 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 it's not like no we're not trying to do the whole straw man argument thing here no I mean, this is just such a, there's so many subjects in Wonder Egg Priority that, like, I feel like I have to, like, be like, listen, I'm not saying this. This is a hard subject to talk about. Suicide is hard to talk about. I've been dancing around Rika's self-harm because I used to cut myself. Yeah. And I did it on my legs. So that entire thing, I was like, I've, I was like, I get it. I get it. You know, I understand. And this is an awkward thing to talk about. It is a hard thing to talk about because no one wants to look and acknowledge why people do these things they do. No, I I, I get that. I had a friend who was very similar. I won't say who, but yeah, like that same idea is like to to feel something that like a controlled pain. At least that's how he kind of put it to me. So the last person that Momoe saves actually ends up being a trans man. And I was really... It was a really interesting topic of that nature because you're talking about, like we were talking about earlier, about how the, uh, what was his name, Mr. Nowaki? Um, Sawaki. Sawaki. Why did I call him Nowaki? Eh, close enough. So this is another teacher who does, in fact, take advantage of a student, like actually forces them down and impregnates them. And Wonder Egg just consistently just keeps bringing up things that make you really, um, really not entirely comfortable with like you never have a situation wonder egg for being all so cute and so fluffy and bright vivid colors loves to do shit that just makes you just kind of just (laughs) you know just kind of just uncomfortable and that entire scene especially when you're just seeing the legs you're obviously not seeing the scene but it's so uncomfortable and the fact it's also echoing to what could have happened to Koito just makes it so much worse because you think, oh, maybe that's what happened to Koito. And then the person in question just goes, oh, yeah, they impregnated me too. And I felt bad for the baby. And I was just, God, Wonder Egg priority. <laughs> I can't. 
I'm I'm not emotionally equipped for this. Yeah. There's an entire that entire last third of Wonder Egg Party. Those last three to f- episodes are just a gauntlet of how bad can you feel? Yep. Yep. Let's like 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 you brought up that like there's plenty of stuff that we can relate to in in Wonder Egg, but Jesus, there are some things that obviously I'm I'm sure there are quite uh, more people in the world that I that than we would like to admit but there are people who have experienced almost identical things or similar things and it just it it makes your fucking heart sink and like i hope that the people who have experienced those things can watch this and find some i don't know maybe comfort might not be the right word but some catharsis of like hey you're tackling a problem in which i might have thought i was alone with but like you said just the it's fucking heart-wrenching, and there are so many times where I just want to jump through my computer screen and hug these these poor kids, really, because they've you know they're going through so goddamn much. And like, not only the 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 fucking last the last boy or the, really the one boy, but just uh, the one that really fucking hit me. They apparently they're all Momoe's Wonder Eggs, but granted, it was all for deception but when the girl who was also being sexually assaulted by i i can't i think it might have been her teacher no it was the Mm -hmm. guy at her dad's company when Mm -hmm. she was like pretending to be into it like that fucking i wanted to puke and i'm saying audibly like no stop don't don't walk towards that person and it was all to get mom away to to be able to take this fucker down but like wow and and then you think like people can actually be manipulated into thinking thoughts like that where it's like no you are 100% being taken advantage of in the worst way and they can be convinced through fucking sheer trauma that they're actually in the wrong and that like what this person's doing is not is okay and in some way it's like jesus it's like watching it's like condensing law and order svu into a a concentrate and just downing that motherfucker. Yeah, there's just so many of the stories that come out of the show. Out of the show, like the one about the idols who commit suicide because their their favorite idol committed suicide. And that was like one of the one of the more I get not to say that any of these are lighthearted, but that was one of the more lighthearted cases, you know. Yeah, they're portrayed as being lighthearted. They're very jovial about the fact they're dead. In fact, in happy to be reunited and it's just it's such a weird tone to start off the show with because the show starts off being a little bit lighter the see no evils and the haters they look they don't look as threatening as they could i mean they still look creepy but you're never going oh this show is just you know it's very severely uh dark and even the creatures you know they're all technicolored nightmares and even the guy who was you know as you were mentioning prior who was, yeah, you wanted it, and it was okay to do it. Even he is just looking like he could have, like, a Fisher-Price toy based off of him or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And it juxtaposed against the fact that he was, a, like, a rapist, essentially. It's just so... It's so... Uh, just disarming. And then that comes to the most disarming part of the show, the part that, that really seals kind of what sunk Wonder Egg from being... For a lot of people, perfect to being kind of just eh is when the sci-fi elements of Akka and Ura-Akka get introduced, especially Frill. And Frill herself, I 
I could not, um, you know that noise she makes, the stupid... The, like, pop sound? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was just, they broke down, what are the most annoying noises that a human can make that are just oddly, just make you don't, that make you feel unwell? And the fact they animated her lips going in to pop like that, I hate that. Absolutely loathe it. Oh, man. See, I thought of it. I, I I didn't read it as so much annoying, but maybe that's just me personally. I read it as the one time the show was, like, really leaning into, like, strong sexuality. And not, not just, like, you know, sexual preference or whatever than that, but, like, genuine, like, sex stuff. Yeah, so... Like Frill, dude. She she's a weird one. So how? I got. Let me ask you. How did you did you think like she added or detracted from the show? I didn't like Frill being the big bad. It was uh, prior in the episode. You and I talked about how it was a little bit more of a dreamscape show, mm-hmm. and about how it felt a little bit. You know, it, they they go into the the world through dreams, so you kind of expect dreams to be a core element. You know, the Thanatos and the Arrow stuff seems more in line, but then you bring in an AI. And this artificial intelligence that just wants to be loved. And I don't like it. You can be Inception, or you, you can be Inception, but you have to set up that we can have science with our with our fiction, you know? Yeah. And up to that point it's just it just feels like fiction. It just feels like a uh, like Akka and Ura Akka are just sort of like dreamscape mentors who are telling you how you can save your save your friends, but not like they're actual human brains in different bodies you know and that reveal kind of sucks too basically you know every single story has to have that mirror that that mystery collapse and that's usually the time when a lot of people can either make or break it for them and i don't think that wonder egg sticks it with frill that's just my opinion no i i I can agree there i think like what you said about it it going from kind of surrealist dreamscape to almost hard sci-fi was Mm -hmm kind of I mean I liked it on my first watch because I I do enjoy that like whole episode of expose backstory sci-fi bullshit like I I enjoy that on its own but after watching it for a second time it was very much like this doesn't have a place and I I again first time watching it I thought wow Frill's a bad person on the rewatch I'm like well listen Akas what the hell did you expect I mean you brought a 14 year old girl into this world as a 14 year old girl she mm-hmm. grew intelligently almost immediately at least what they showed from the backstory it seemed like they did about zero work on her emotional intelligence in making you know the true nuance of being a fucking human and just worried if she could think and problem solve and all the i more sterilized mathematic type shit um and then for them like I don't really know who to blame if this is a creator thing, if this is, but like, I, I really appreciated it more when the show was like, you know, girls specifically, I guess, but like people commit suicide for a bunch of different reasons. And it's just kind of something that you have to deal with in life. And then with the Akka's backstory, it kind of turned it into these two hotshot fucking scientists were not they 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 stated that like well we're not the only reason why girls commit suicide but like we definitely are a big part of the reason why (laughs) girls commit suicide it's like okay now it's you now it felt like you're taking a little bit of the agency away from from the wonder egg people like the like 
you're almost making it go like, well, yeah, like you were sad and stuff, but you wouldn't have killed yourself if we didn't release Frill onto the world. It's like, no, yeah. that that soured me very much on the second watch. Um, and yeah, I am. I'm on team Frill now. It's like, again, what the fuck did you expect? Of course, she's known nothing. You put her in a an age where, you know, normal people, like at 14, you're discovering so many new things about yourself. Your body's changing. Oh, my God, I start to I'm starting to find other people attractive, maybe. And the two people, the only two people that she's known in the entire world. It's like, of course, she's going to fall in love with one of them. Like that Mm -hmm. just makes sense that. So, you know, she feels so much love from them and I don't, it didn't seem like she was ever really explained like what romantic love was. They were just two fucking scientists who, I mean, it's scientific hubris at it, at its, at its peak. So I guess the moral is like the Akas are kind of misogynistic douchebags in a way. Yeah. I mean, the, the entire reason they created Frill was to make essentially the perfect daughter. They were supposed to be, she was supposed to be perfect but not perfect perfect which makes her perfect she's supposed to be like how you would want to have a daughter but that means she has flaws and she gets pouty and she gets selfish and they're like we created the perfect life form it's so great and we think she's just doing a great job oh we're gonna we're gonna go have go basically do what any child would do like basically if your dad suddenly says hey this is gonna be your new mommy you don't immediately go i accept this father good for you you go well what the fuck's wrong with me or Mm -hmm. what the fuck's wrong with mom Yep, especially when, like, it was very obvious that Frill was, like, romantically in love with Akka. Like, it was it was obvious, and it should have been obvious to the Akkas, but they chose to ignore it because Frill, in their minds, like like you said, they, she was this perfect daughter, but she was also an AI that they built and they felt like were in con- total control of. And so when she did that, and the fact that they were like, you did a bad thing, you go into this, go into this tomb, and we're so mad. The fact that Akka just goes full on stepdad and throws her down the stairs is just—I don't feel. At that point, it just like I know they're not supposed to be characters we like. Obviously, they're never set up to be characters we like. Ura Akka is supposed to be the one who's a little bit more, you know, prone to helping out and being a little bit more of the, you know, the looser character. Yeah, he has some regrets about what they've done. Where Akka is just, well, let's sacrifice these girls to frill for science Mm -hmm. and that's it's just so lame when it drops out and then frill comes along and is basically just says yeah the thing that kind of pressures people to kill kill themselves that's actually me and me just being you know a silly little goose yeah it, it it sours all the themes that Wonder Egg has been trying to crack or it doesn't sour all of them but it just feels like we had to make an ending and we don't know what to do here and it's just let's introduce a sudden third party that is actually the big bad all along and what tops off just how how disappointing frill is as a character is that she never seems to be directly opposed to i or any of the other characters she just sends out her little bug-headed people to take away their pets after they've gotten their person back, I guess, which it's never really, they don't explain because the show just abruptly ends. Mm-hmm. Frill could have probably been salvaged if there had been more of the show, you know? Yeah. If, if we got to see that she was just, like, she had her own feelings and maybe she was lashing out because she herself wanted to get end her life. But instead, we've just got this character who is just, 
yeah, here's some bug people, and they're gonna kill. They're gonna kill uh, your pets and do horrific shit to you, and you're just gonna have to deal with that. And it never. It just doesn't. It doesn't click right. Like if Frill had been taken away, right? If we had just taken Frill and all the bug-headed people away, and then latched in with like the last eyes, uh, last sort of you know, her last rescue with her, an alternative version of herself, that might have, you know, you wouldn't have had the spite, you wouldn't have had, like, the spiciest last bite of a sandwich, but it would have tasted better, because you would have gotten kind of, like, a full, a full spectrum of eyes growth as a character, you would have been like, yeah, so I did kind of want to kill herself, and kind of get away from everything that was making her feel down and out, and it would, it would be a nice little package, it would have been a nice little thing to wrap up the show with, but, you know, we didn't get that. No, no, unfortunately not. And one thing that I I noticed, um, so you brought up Aka going <laughs> in your terms full stepdad and throwing her down the stairs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was just a mistranslation or if it was a very very subtle hint, but Frill when she's being shoved into the locker or whatever the hell it is, she yells out, "Please, I please no, I hate the dark room. I don't want to go back there." Which mm-hmm. tells me this is not the first time that they've used this form of punishment on Frill, which just goes to show how fucked up the Akas are. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. That's a good thing. That, that's really, that's a good pickup. I just thought she was being, in that moment, a little bit whiny about the entire thing. And maybe I she didn't. was. Maybe it's, maybe the, the words aren't supposed to be taken so literally, but I... Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but the words that were used were used like they were using past tense words, which makes it sound like, again, this is not the first time that she has been shoved into this locker. And it's like, if you want to be an Aka apologist, like, all right, I guess there is an avenue where we can talk about justifying it now after Frill has committed murder, but there was nothing before this that could have even come close to justifying shoving a 14-year-old girl essentially underground in a fucking a crawl space. Yeah. No, they have no redemption. They they have no means of which to make them like not to not be anything other than just the asshole bad guys who started this whole shit. And the whole fact of it is that prior to that point when they reveal Frill, it seems kind of more of a little bit more of a a celebration of how like female like women and girls can feel and about their emotions you know and mm-hmm. their relationships and all that it's almost a little bit of a celebrate i would think that wonder egg kind of celebrates that a little bit more and then you get this point where it's just like yeah this is the suicide robot and it's it doesn't want you to be live and it'll be alive and happy and just going uh, just immediately following through with that the ending itself is also really disappointing too. the not to say that the show should have had like a big epic fight because you know it was never going for being this bombastically uh, action-packed show as much as I was thinking it was just trying to be about you know you know the feelings and characters and all that although it did have admittedly some really kick-ass action scenes oh yeah I mean <laughs> I think that's that's one of the things that drew me in a lot was some of the action scenes, but it's not what kept me. So for it suddenly to just kind of just end on almost this very dour note, just this whole the adventure continues 
and not in a way where you're okay with not s- to seeing where the adventure goes. The big bad is still out there. Mm-hmm. There's still problems, and she's still probably causing little like 14 year old girls to kill herself. But the show is just claps its hands and says, "We're done now." Rubs its hands and says, "Nehru's in one of those eggs. Go find her." Yeah, I think it would have worked out a hell of a lot better if you didn't introduce the hard sci-fi stuff. The kind of the journey continues ending would have felt more appropriate because we've just been in this fever dream of a show. So like the idea that it would continue on and never have a concrete ending makes mm-hmm. more sense. And But yeah, like you said, you introduce this big bad, you've introduced, you know, these hard rules at like a, I mean, if the idea was like you take out Frill and then like teenage girl suicide numbers drop at least that's I, I think that was the idea but we never got to see that um one thing i do think the ending did really well is uh highlighted the girl's ability to choose for themselves um you know have true agency and like uh this is something that was brought up in a a clear and sweet video the youtube channel that i i shouted out earlier but like the in magical girl shows like and i'm not a student of magical girls so i might get something wrong but a lot of the times you're just kind of summoned to do something and you do it for the sake of doing it it's the right thing to do you have the power you are going to be the hero but for like momoe to at the end choose not to continue on to say i i don't want to be the hero i don't want to be the martyr i'm afraid and i don't want to do this i i thought it was for is everything else that was disappointed in the ending i thought the fact that the girls at the end were were fully willing to just choose for themselves and like i granted she went back on her choice but she threw the phone away when nero was calling her i think it was nero who was calling her but she threw the phone she didn't want to deal with it she just she said no and as someone who has a problem saying no and tries to please everybody in his fucking life that was a wonderful thing and then for her to I don't know, six weeks later, however long it was to say, no, I'm ready to go back. It, it's completely valid. Like you, you can choose to start again, even if you've given up on something. But mm-hmm. yeah, there were plenty of other problems with, with the ending, but that's something that I thought they did right. I get, I, I can see that. My, my issue with the ending is just for one thing, the sentimentality of it doesn't quite mesh with what had been established prior, or at least what I would think, what I thought was going on up to that point. Now that could have just been a misread on my end. I'm not perfect. I'll totally focus on the wrong shit. If given a chance, I love to be fucking wrong as much as I can. Sure. Sure. For it suddenly, for all this development to come by for I to basically accept herself and say like, yeah, that could have been me. And there could have been, and there are people out there who I care about and who care about me. And for her to be all obsessed with helping out Nehru and to suddenly give up on it, it just felt like it didn't feel good. It didn't feel true to the character. Is that if that makes any sense? No, with you're all, you're right. No, go on. With all the development she had had to that point, I just feel for her to just take one step back out because Momoe and Momoe and Rika were like, yeah. We, we don't, we're not feeling 100% with it. Well, Momo was, Rika was like, I'm mad as hell, but I'm mad as hell about everything. Yeah, they just it. wouldn't let Rika back, but she was trying to to mm. go and do it again. Yeah. But for, for I to suddenly just, at the last second, back out and then go back in, 
and just say like, oh, well, I'm feeling better now. It just doesn't feel, you know, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, I think it's so another parallel I, I like to make with Evangelion and, and Wonder Egg is like, it feels like these are both shows that technically, I, w- I would say, ended in their intended way. Like, I think if Anno could go back in time and, like, have the money to do Evangelion, I still think we get at least an episode of of fucking marker sketch bullshit. But mm. it's that kind of in-between. Those, the, the three or four episodes before the last episode that I think we're missing out on. It's like the missing link in evolution. Like, the, a bridge between where we were in episode 12 and where we ended up in episode 13 would have done a lot for this show good thing to bounce off the evangelion thing was evangelion had before it descended into marker uh sketchboard you know that sort of madness it had already la it had already decided hey we're going full-on internal internal sort of discussion about how we feel and about how we relate to other people and the ending was just kind of hey we got five dollars and i've got two and i've got two pieces of paper we need to make this work Mm mm-hmm but it still it still had established it still had the established themes and direction of the story for Wonder Egg, which at that point had kind of been a um, which was kind of doing a sort of a rise and then a fall and then a rise again for this fall to just so happen just in a blink of a second and for it to just end up on a rise. I don't know if that feels exactly good to me, but I do understand what like why I do understand your statement and where you're coming from on that. I I think it would have probably in a perfect world where there hadn't been production issues, yeah, it would have. I think it would have ended in a similar vein. I mean, like story, the story isn't going to suffer because there isn't money. The story is still going to be there. They just had to work their way to that ending. So maybe it would have been a little bit quicker to that point. Maybe we wouldn't have had an almost two minute scene of um, I walking up to Nadu in the rain. Mm-hmm. Or the scenes where they were looking at an actual picture of a, the water. Yeah, I, I noticed that they got some like photorealistic backgrounds um, <laughs> towards that last episode. And yeah, because there was like a one hundred percent like photo of a fucking Toyota Prius in one of the scenes. Yeah, that's that's what I noticed. Was it was towards the end there? It stopped being oh these beautiful set these beautiful sets and. These wondrous, just fulfilling colored backgrounds. It's a picture of the fucking water. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll admit, I'll fully admit that like my defenses of the ending, a lot of it come from me wanting to defend the ending and wanting to like, you know, really digging through to find the good in the ending because I like the rest of the show so much. So I, I, I don't. I don't really disagree with anything that you're saying. And I, you know, it makes sense how that. I don't know if you say it soured the show for you, but definitely like it would have been a for me. It's like if this ending would have stuck the landing, you're talking like 10 out of 10 masterpiece anime, you know? Well, in 2021, when we first reviewed the show, I I think I did say that it, the ending, I, it did, the ending did sour a lot of the good taste in my mouth. But just because your dessert is like I don't know, like a shit on a shit on a piece of bread with like a you know like a nice little drink umbrella in it. That doesn't that doesn't like detract from the first four courses or whatever you know. Yeah, 
it's just that's the last bite you have, so you forget about all of that. And I feel like that's what a lot of people, even I struggle with in this this current land, this current anime environment, especially because I watched on my first watch of Wonder Egg Priority. I didn't binge it. I watched it week to week. So each week having that anticipation of a new episode, of seeing more of the plot develop, you get a recap episode, all right, go fuck myself, I guess. And then finally you get this ending that's just, and you have to wait an additional few months for the real true ending. And the first half of it is just, and then I felt this way about this. And then that wasn't good. And then that happened. I didn't feel good about that either. It just, that entire sequence of events made me just go, well, fuck me then, I guess. <laughs> so that that's the problem that Wonder Egg had, you know? But that, that sucks because up until episode 9 or 10, it was still an amazing show. And that that's just unfortunate. I don't think you should defend the ending. You shouldn't defend the ending. You know? I don't think it's a good ending. But I Eight. think it's unfair for people to get so mad at the ending that they say that Wonder Egg sucks as a whole. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and especially because it wasn't it wasn't the promised Neverland where you got an entire season of mediocre shit and you skipped eight arcs of a pre established IP that everybody knew about. You know, it's it's really I mean the the frill Aka backstory episode not great but I'd, I'd still say intriguing if nothing else you know it's really that really the last 20 minutes of the final wonder egg special that that we can look back on me like wasn't great so for that mm. to really sour every completely sour everything else i think yeah i agree with you it's it's very much overreacting at that point but yeah, if you don't like the ending, then that's completely fair. Absolutely. But I don't think you should you should let the ending detract from what all the greatness that Wonder Egg was trying to accomplish. Yeah. And that's such a I mean, if we can if people can get can celebrate Ev- Evangelion now, I know granted end of Eva happened, you know, the rebuilds happened. But even with those last three episodes, I'm still that right up to that point was amazing, and it had so much to say and so much tone to convey, and the ending sucked. But that doesn't detract from the fun I was having. It's not. It's not like I. It's not like if I get off a roller coaster and get kicked in the balls immediately, it doesn't make the roller coaster fun. You know, it just means that now the last thing I can remember is that my balls got kicked in. <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. Well, I mean, that's that's. It's it's the truest thing, right? I mean, the the experience shouldn't be detracted by the last part of the experience, and it's hard not to. And it's hard it's hard to do that for a lot of people, including myself. Oh, for sure. Because that's the last thing we get. That's the last thing we'll remember. That's the last thing we're left with. But I feel like for Wonder Egg, it's unfair, and I hate it for it. And I would. If I had the mo- if I had the money, I would not finance Wonder Egg's second season, but I would definitely be like a a, a, a mid tier sponsor. Yeah, I would, I would, yeah, yeah. You want like I I'll I'll shove out the money for a forty five minute OVA if we if we need mm-hmm. to get some more. Like I'll you know to see I uh, you know the eyes kind of final journey for Nehru. You know I I yeah if I if I had fucking investor money all day. Yeah. I- I mean, the the best thing that I think could ever happen to Wonder Egg at this point if they did a sequel is they would probably do something ridiculous like make a sequel movie, but it takes place like five years afterwards and they just completely avoid what happened to I. It's just 
Aka and Ura Aka are there with a new cast of like girls. I'd be and, mildly interested in that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I would too. I mean, I, I, w- I would rather see what happened to I, but I definitely think that that's where they would go if they had to do another one instead of just finishing off I's story at this point. It just feels like the exact thing they would do. Yeah, I can see that. You're kind of left to wonder because they're not bringing up I. You'd be sitting there like, oh man, she probably failed. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Aka and Ura Aka would be there. They wouldn't talk about Frill. It would just be, and you would be like, is this a prequel? Is this a side story? You wouldn't know what the continuity is, but they'd have just a little bit, a little thing that would make everybody on the internet get mad. They'd have like a cameo of I at the last, at the at the last five minutes, and then people would be like, "Oh well, fuck off! What's she doing?" Oh, here, no, hear me out. I got it. It's perfect. All right, okay. last girl, like last scene, she breaks her last wonder egg. Okay, out mm-hmm. pops I Odo. And then she just looks up with tears in her eyes and says, she never came back for me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a fucking heartbreaker. You need an ending? You call fucking Earthworm. I got you. <laughs> Damn, that's a... Dang, that is an ending. Oh, man. God. Somebody needs to pay me for this shit. They should. I mean, God, that's... Need some existential dread in your life? You, you got come to your boy. I got you. God, fucking, my boy's got it in spades. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, no, go ahead, bro. That seems like such a way that they would do it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like, oh, you thought you were going to get closure? Fuck you. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. Um... So I guess we've just gone over the full spectrum of everything we feel about uh, Wonder Egg, unless you want to add in anything more before we do final thoughts and reviews. Well, I do. There's one thing I want to go over with you, um, and I'm gonna. I, I'm sorry if this is hard on you, but um, I I need your your hierarchy for the four main girls. I need from your least favorite to your favorite. I just have to know. Oh yeah, we should have done. this should have done this earlier. Um. Mine is obviously, obviously, I is at number one. If I is not your number one, then I don't think we were watching the same show. <laughs> it, I is number one. Rika is number two. Momo is number three, and Nehru is at the bottom. Okay, um, I'm, I'm not that I dislike Nehru's character, but I'm glad you feel the same way because I, I'm, I'm in agreement. Nehru's probably my least favorite character. Um. For second and third, I like it's weird. I think I like Momoe's character better, but I, I, Rika has such a fucking cool character design that, mm-hmm. and like I, I really like her character on top of it. But I guess to have some some discrepancies here, I'll go from bottom to top. I'll go Nehru, Rika, Momoe, and then Iodo might be my favorite character in all of media. <laughs> It just all of like I think I like her more than I like a good chunk of people that I know in real life. Yeah, I mean, I was talking with uh, some patrons in the Discord about how much I loved I, and they were like, "There's an I figure," and I bought that shit up instantly. Yeah, I saw you post a picture of that. I can't remember if you put a link, but if you didn't, I'm gonna need you to send me that because I want to buy that figure. I she's I know she's just such a. It, she's just such a character that I want to just 
be friends with and not like in a way where there's like any sort of tension i just want us to be friends i want her to go to her eyes birthday party i want to pick out a nice gift for her mm-hmm. i don't know i like i i just want i to be safe i want her to never have to deal with unexpected medical death <laughs> i just <laughs> want her to thrive in every single possible way without a doubt um and i think she has so some of like my favorite quotes um I actually wrote a couple of them down. Uh, so I think it was in it was in the fight with the gymnastics teacher. Mm. Weird looking thing. And when she gets like knocked into the gym, to the fucking gym stadium, then she gets up and screams, all you want is someone who will love you and show you a little attention or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I was like, that legitimately like brought me to tears. I was like, shit. And then it was followed up with the quippiest line of, I'm sorry, I don't speak bitch. Shut your mouth, brat. This is none of your business. I don't speak bitch. And then she hits the lady with her giant fucking multicolored pen mace. And it's just a beautiful, it's, it's a beautiful sequence. I I totally forgot about that because it gave me a chuckle too. Yeah. <laughs> Like fucking, especially it's it's a lot. It's her next line after the all you want is someone who will pay you a little attention and love you and shit. And it's like, oh my god, you are such the perfect person. Where it's like you can get real deep and like emotional, and then immediately after have this like the most fourteen year old comeback I've ever heard. It's beautiful. I mean, in like in her fight with Mr. Sawicky, she's like he's shooting pain at her. She's like, nice aim. And then she gets hit and she's like, all right, that's a little bit better. Like, it's just she's going through all this shit. But like, she's a fucking 14 year old girl at the end of the day. And like 14 year old girls are, are goofy. Like, I'm I'm a depressive fucking 28 year old man. And I still like I'll be in the middle of a fucking manic episode just wanting to fucking walk into the ocean and I'll make a joke. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It, I is very relatable to me. I mean, completely agree, though. I am the type who can only handle my trauma through humor. Oh, yeah. So if I ever have found my I if I ever found myself in like an epic fight to like save my soul or whatever. Absolutely. I'd be making the shittiest Spider-Man quips ever. Yes. Thank you. I I, that you brought up Spider-Man because that was my first thought when she's talking shit. I'm like, she's got Peter Parker energy all day. (laughs) She really does. She really does. Like, all the other girls get, like, at least one little solid line or anything like that. And Rika gets her big moment where after um, the Ayo Sachiko, I think they call her in the on the wiki, uh, oh. after she thinks, oh, yeah, I've got her, then Rika just comes out and is like, surprise. And I just, I just, I really do enjoy the show so much. And I is definitely the biggest part of it. I love her, her energy, her little awkward thumbs up, that she, her little awkward... Uh, double peace sign she gives when an affirmation at one point and a little smug moment she has with Rika during that fight too mm-hmm. yeah and then like I'm looking at your profile picture is the scene where she gets um a Leon I think his name she gets her chameleon buddy and like yeah. her reaction to that is is priceless just straight up like I don't know how to react with the most derp face ever <laughs> yeah we didn't even talk about the animal buddies I, I love the animal buddies because I just 
you know, normally when you think about magical girls or any sort of magical media, you always think like cats, you think, you know, cute little fuzzy animals, but all of them basically get reptiles, almost as if a middle finger to say, reptiles are cute too. They fucking and are. And I love that. Yeah, I mean, her her chameleon is so cute, and I love, um, oh, I love Rika's alligator, and that scene that happens Makes or not Rika's alligator. No, I was gonna Momo say yeah, Rika's got the big old tortoise. Turtle. Yeah, and she has that revelation with her mom and all that. Like I'm a shitty mom. Love that scene too. Mm-hmm. I love loved loved that whole revelation she has as well. But no, the scene that happens with Momoe and her and her alligator makes me just mad. Yeah, that's a that's a real punch in the gut. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's just and immediately after that, it follows up with her just puking in a sink from eating chicken. Oh, the fucking worst part was, like, I don't... Maybe it was just a visual thing, but, like, it, it, sorry to get a little gross here, but, like, the, the chunks of vomit you could see were, like, the same color as the the meat she was being force-fed, and it's like, wow, that's fucking visceral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had uh there was no reason for that really to happen outside of just to highlight how bad the bugheads were, <laughs> which is so again, I feel like that's another thing that made people upset about the ending was that they never get come up and it's just they do what they do and then they buzz off away. Yeah, I'd say like because Frill is very much, you know, she's a sympathetic figure in a lot of people's eyes. I don't know that you can say the same about the bug girls other than their attachment to Frill, but for the most part, they're just out causing torment. Mm-hmm. One, last, one more final, final thing before we do a final, final thing. Okay. In the 2022 Crunchyroll Anime Awards, like, in every single category, I was looking this up because I I was remembering the, the Anime Awards, and they had a billion things for Wonder Egg Priority in it, and we were all getting kind of miffed because, uh, like, Mushoko Tensei wasn't in anything that year yep. for some reason. And I know you probably remember that too. We were just like, "Well, why is Mashoku Tensei not in here? It's got it's beautiful, but it was nominated for best girl with Ioto, best protagonist, best director, best animation, best character design, best score, best ver- best uh, Japanese performance, best English performance, which is weird because it's for Rika and not I, and best action, best drama, best fantasy, and it won nothing." Yeah, that I remember. That was the first year we reviewed the Crunchyroll Awards. And I, this was before I had watched Wonder Egg, so I had no real, I would have been legitimately mad if I had known, but I just felt bad. I'm like, if you're going to get nominated for everything and not win, that kind of sucks. But it's also like, at least you got nominated for everything. Yeah, this was the year that we did the thing with the Strictly series and we like made this game of it. And I just got absolutely dunked on thinking that I knew what the anime community wanted thinking I had any sort of semblance of connection to what the, what anybody thought thought they would get or want. <laughs> You're out of touch, Matt. I am out of touch. I'm getting old. I'm getting old. I'm don't, I don't understand what the new kids want anymore. Apparently all they want is Demon Slayer. That's all <laughs> it seems to win this year. <laughs> no, it's the yet. children who are out of touch. <laughs> just go full Skinner. <laughs> no, I know what, what the anime community needs. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> I guess now we'll descend into final, final thoughts and final, final opinions. And I feel like we've already conveyed, sure enough, what we felt about the show. They're just the constant praise outside of the excuses for the ending that I think both of us came up for. Um, but overall, like, yeah, just 
if this maybe had just been a 16 episode show had just ended a little bit more concretely or maybe not even concretely but just in a way where a lot of people just didn't go like well what was that final element that we would have been looking at like a masterpiece for the anime medium and that year and we would have seen everyone truly appreciate wonder egg for what it was accomplishing but unfortunately it just ended that way and it introduced robots and AI and other things and I think that uh, a lot of people just were completely drawn back and drawn away from that when it happened. But after binging it in five-hour period across taking breaks because I can't watch anime like I used to because I'm getting old, I um I came away saying like, yeah, yeah, that's a that's that's a really really great show. It just sucks that it ended that way. But getting the full package in a in a short span. I have to have to say it is a great show. Just it's it's great. Just forget the ending. Just when the ending comes on, just take a couple of the brain cells that are normally processing used for processing anime. Go send them on like doing, you know, your taxes for next year already. Go send them on like a quest to remember all that trauma that happened to you in the third grade. Just go send them somewhere else while you're watching that last piece of a uh, ending and maybe then you'll just for kind of just have the whole thing be a blur and then you'll see the show as the greatness that it truly is. Um, so I, I still echo the same score I gave it in 2021. Uh, I still think it's a great show. Still 8 out of 10 for me. And even with the extra recap episode included. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, the bun- uh, you already heard most of my thoughts, but um, I, I really, this is a show that emotionally resonates with me more than most shows. Um and that carries carries it to where I can I can really overlook some of the the actual narrative issues and the production issues and like you know this shows a reminder that there's a million different hands in the pie of any given anime that's being created and I'm sure if it was fully left up to the artistic vision of the actual artists who were working on it we would have gotten a more complete show but I think for me, I'm I'm really choosing to just appreciate all the good things about the show. Um, some of the topics that it tackles, I think, you know, it's just no other, no, not a lot of other media is tackling subjects like suicide and self-harm with such nuance and being brave about it while also not being disrespectful in any way, at least in my opinion. Uh, these characters, it's like... I haven't seen a foursome of characters this amazing since fucking Yu Yu Hakusho or, or Hunter Hunter or I I mean I might even argue that they're and I love Hunter Hunter it's one of my favorite shows I would argue that these four have more character in them than the four in there in like some of your favorite shonen shows you know in fucking twelve episodes I mean Iodo is is a borderline a fucking friend to me is nerdy and is parasocial weeby as that might sound like it's a character that i i truly do love um when i originally watched it a year ago or so i gave it an eight and i gave the special i think um i think i might have given that like a five or a six Mm -hmm. my my feelings on the special are about the same i mean yeah there was stuff to like in it but the production issues and the fact that half of it was a recap i mean we have to look at it as the entire 46 minute thing you're watching and for more than half of it you don't need to watch it considering you watch the rest of the show but for the just the actual series itself 
I, I, I'm bumping it up to a nine. I mean, if you take away the fucking Akka's backstory and the recap episode, the way that this hit me emotionally, I would be comfortable being like, hey, it's a 10 out of 10. You don't have to agree, but for, for me and my heart, it is. But yeah, I'm going to stick with a solid 9 out of 10 and just an anime that I cannot wait in 20 years to be the guy that's like, oh, you want a really good anime? Well, you got to watch Wonder Egg Priority. And then my fucking the 12 year old I'm talking to is like, who are you, mister? And I'm like, shut up and watch it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, hey, in due time, maybe even maybe even the show itself will be a little bit more vindicated as people flock to it more. And again, I feel like as the voices die down of the people who saw it as it was airing and maybe revisit it, it'll definitely, I feel like it might be a little bit more vindicated with time after rewatching it. That's just my opinion. I think you're right, but even if it falls into anime obscurity as something that, like, as I'll put it, only the real ones know, <laughs> I'm, o- I'm okay ones. with that. You know, I'm okay with being one of the real ones. Well, I mean, at this time, it is, it is, it's sitting in like the upper 300s, I think, of uh, at my anime list, so of popularity at least. So people know of it, and I feel like it's, it's got staying power. It's just probably going to be like a, it's going to be like that classic anime situation where you're going to say it's great, except the ending. Holy, what I feel like it's going to be like. But hey, what can you do? I'm just glad you really, you said, hey, let's watch this, because I never, I never, I did not expect you to bring it up. I didn't I- expect to be we watching it. I am glad that you agreed to it um, because this is something that ever since I watched it at first, I knew it was something that I really wanted to get my thoughts out about. And you've given me a platform to do that. And like you mentioned earlier, this isn't really JD's cup of tea. He would have liked the super awesome battles. He wouldn't have liked the the really weird uh, abstract artisticness of it. So mm-hmm. to be able to just talk openly and freely about this anime like thank you for giving me a platform to do that and thank you for being a good homie to talk about it with oh no thank you for thank you for saying you would come on and talk about it and thank you for reaching out and saying hey look at you you should uh i'll definitely come out and hang out for a couple episodes means a whole lot it's been a lot of fun these past two episodes yeah dude of of course and not to i don't want to bog you down with just earthworm topics but you know in in the future I'm, I'm always available, man. I, I love coming on to Otaka Melancholy and shooting the shit. Yeah, it's been, it's, 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 a whole, it's been a whole lot of fun. So thank you again once more for doing that. And thank you, listener, for listening to the Otaka Melancholy podcast. You can go to our website, otakumelancholy.com, to see all our links, including our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our Discord, where you can hang out in there and say, hey, Wonder Egg Priority was actually pretty cool. You can also, if you want to, subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash otaku melancholy and donate for as little as three dollars a month to get added episodes episodes with no breaks in them as well as get your name shouted out like this i'd like to thank all our patrons for helping to make this episode including anime of the week chris s green buff goon darth egg earthward bnw brother ikea plant jalvin moe soda and steered marlin thank you guys so much for helping to support the podcast it means a whole whole lot thank you all for supporting this content and thank you earthworm for being one of those people oh yeah dude you got it that's uh that's the least i can do one of my favorite things is hearing my name be shouted out on a on a buddy podcast i'm like hey that's me i know sometimes i i, I enjoy it too that way i can see like oh are they gonna talk shit about me and i'm just sitting there going like i hope they say nice things about me <laughs> and then i'm just tent- i'm just tensed up there for a second but speaking of buddy podcasts you go ahead and do the 
little shout out thing for the two people who may not have listened to you? Oh yeah, uh, Anime Brothers Podcast. That's my podcast. I do it with uh, my best friend JD. We've been friends for 20 years and it fucking shows. Um, yeah, if you want to, go listen to it. And if not, then just keep listening to Otaka Melancholy. And you know what? That'll be enough for me. Oh, you're just, you're just, you're just, you're just far too kind. Far, just, it's really, it's really too touching for me. I'm so used to just being shot on by Audrey. I don't know how to handle this. Uh, but yeah, thank you once again for doing this. Uh, thank you listeners for hanging out and getting to the end of this episode. It means a whole lot. I hope I'll see you again next week. But if I don't, I hope you'll take care. Have a great day. Bye bye. And gambate. <laughs>